welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 134. Is it? It is indeed. It's 133 years we've been doing this. Is it? Yeah. And there's some good news this week. For anyone who doesn't know, we review shit. We got some good news this week, didn't we, Anne? Today, in fact. What was the good news? Well, I say today. Yesterday, if people are listening to this when it's released. Are you being sarcastic? Yeah. Oh. We have been picked, we've been chosen as the working class of the UK to lay our lives on the line so that people can buy new shoes and get their haircuts. No, they said the shops aren't open until July. I thought they, no, they said... They said they want people to go back to work who can go back to work, right? But they're going to be looking at opening retail and, um, what do they call it, hospitality industries... I thought around they July. Said hospitality industries. Were no, they said July. retail. Was it? Oh. I, know, I thought retail was opening earlier. Mm. Does that mean you're not willing to sacrifice your life so that someone can buy a suitcase? You don't have to, but you've got to go back to work. No, I'm working from home. I haven't left work. I've worked this whole time. You've had a holiday. No, I've furlough, been, as they call I, it. Yeah, I'm in furlough. It's very <laughs> difficult. I have been working every day. Yeah, mm. uh, I mean, yeah. I get to sit around in my gym jams, and I get to. Listen to YouTube videos in the background whilst I do stuff. But yeah, I've been I've been doing stuff. Um, managed to hit targets last month. It's boring as fuck. I don't want to talk about work. I want to talk about video games. Um, Weren't you the one who's in charge of getting PPE out to all the hospitals? No, God fucking forbid if I was. Yeah, I was the one who ordered that four hundred million pounds worth of PPE that couldn't be used from Greece. Yeah, because I'm Matt Hancock. Do you remember when he was um, stood next to that woman in that interview and he had a boner? No. Don't you remember that? No. He's been interviewed on TV and he's standing awkwardly close to her and she sort of tries to... Yes. And he keeps yes. getting... Yeah. That was fucking weird because at one point didn't he have his hands on her shoulder or something or one hand on her shoulder and he was sort of like... Yeah. Do you remember when he, he said that he got hit? He got punched in the face or something and it, it... No, it was one of his aides got punched in the face and it turned out they walked into someone's arm and they were waving trying to get his attention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, the fucking Tory government couldn't be a bigger joke, could it? You could try. Do you know what's really nice as well is that yeah. um, we've got, with the United Kingdom, right, we're united. That's the whole point of the UK. That's where our fucking big old, like, boners come from is the fact we're just one big group together. Um, Boris Johnson announced today that obviously he is, he's made plans to exit lockdown to mm. make it so that people can start going back to work, as I said, potentially in July. Uh, but um, he he didn't speak to the Scottish Prime Minister, didn't speak to anyone in, in Ireland or Wales. No. So, who were the other countries? No, he's only that talking to... for England. Pun. He's only talking for England. Even though he's saying it's the entirety of the United Kingdom, he literally <laughs> listed all of those countries. No, no. You got to listen to what he says and then ignore it. Oh, and that's right. What he so means. I have to, I have to listen around his words. Also, yeah. oh, it's a real trumpet sort of situation, is it? Mm. So uh, there are people that like this guy, right? Yeah. And think he talks sense. He's like Churchill. No, he's not. If Churchill was a racist. He's like Churchill if Churchill took six fucking rounds with Mike Tyson before like going Churchill on stage. like Churchill if Churchill was a fat, adulterous racist. Yeah. He's like Churchill if Churchill had horrible, horrible brain damage and just was allowed to say whatever he wanted. Mm. The fact that, like, every sentence is like, what we really need, uh, what we really need to do is we need to go down, go out there and, uh, and, and show them, give them a good heart for, you know, because we're British, that bulldog spirit. It's like, Boris Johnson, you've never been in a fight in your life. The only time you've probably been in a fight is when you were part of the Bullinger Club and you were kicking some fucking tramp to death in an alleyway, you cunt. Mm. Anyway, Anne, this week you're first. What are you going to review? No, I don't know. You don't know. I don't Do you know, know. have anything on your mind? I don't know. Review? 
What have you been up to? What are you watching? You've got so much time to watch stuff. Well, I don't have any time. Very busy. How's your Animal Crossing Island going? Uh, I made paving slabs today. Making- I made a tile set so I can make my own paving slabs. I mean, that's one way of doing it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what? I should review something, should I? Yeah, you got to review at least one thing. At least one thing? Shit. Okay. Yeah. Um. Do, let's talk about... I had it in my head. It's just gone. Wonder Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. I haven't reviewed that. No, you haven't. No. That's a game that came out in 2018. Okay. What did you play on? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, no, no. Like you got to talk about your experience. So, if like if you were to say, I got it on PC, do you play with keyboard and mouse? Do you use a controller? How no, was it? Just, just, I just got it on Switch and played it. So, you got it on the Switch. This is a review of the Switch version of that game. That it's was the released. same game on all the formats. Ugh. It doesn't make a difference. <sighs> Wonder Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Who's Wonder Boy? Was it yeah? Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom? I, it's Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Is that only in the UK it's Wonder Boy? No, because okay, it's a big old thing. Yeah, because it changed after the The actual game. Wonder Boy game was the Dragon's Trap one. That was okay. the one the guys who did Streets of Age 4 did years ago. Yeah. And Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom is like a sequel to the Wonder Boy games, like Monsterland. Yeah. But, like, they don't have the Wonder Boy name because it's a big confusing mess. So it's Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. Okay. And you're like, little blue-haired guy, your uncle's gone nuts, he's riding around on a big old thing and crashing into shit and casting magic all over the place. He's a drunkard or something. Essentially, and he's pierced from You've community. got to stop him. So you head out and you end up getting turned into different animal types and it's a metroid type thing and the different animals give you access to different areas. Oh, okay. Turn into frogs and, like, um, I think it's a big old, is it a lion? Yeah, a lion. You can charge through things with a lion. Um, and what, all was that, stuff. what was that game on the NES that was like that? Probably Wonder Boy. No, there was like no, because Wonder Boy was on. Oh, it was on the NES. It was well. on no, no, no. But this was like you turned into a mouse and stuff like that. It wasn't Wonder Boy. Was it Adventure Island? No, it was, I think it was like um, Samson or something. Oh, like, Little Samson. No one cares yeah. about that shit. Yeah. No one cares about that. No. Oh. It's Wonder Boy. It's like Wonder Boy uh, Friggin' Four, where you, you turn into animals in Monster World. Yeah, you turn into monsters in you the turn things. Into monsters, yeah. <coughs> Well, you're travelling around, it's a metroid type thing, but it's not sort of one of those ones where you're constantly back, you know, backtracking and stuff. The levels, it's more like Dark Souls maps where, like, you go off and do a quest in an area and it loops back around to somewhere oh, so you, you can, were like, in earlier. you see the next area in the background. Well, no, it's a 2D game. There's no background. The background's flat. No, but there are <laughs> backgrounds. Yeah, but you can't go there. They've been the, they've, it's flat. Yeah, but if you're saying it loops around, you can the always... The entire world's like... left to right. Oh, okay. Nothing down. Oh, okay. But no, it's like the maps loop around, so you end up like, you know, you'll go you'll go up for a castle or something and end up down in the sewers and you work for the sewers and you'll come back to the town where you started in the first place. It's, it's a really good game. It's pretty tricky in some parts. I got to this part on it where you have like um, a couple of different routes you have to go through. You're in like a dungeon and each route you have to pull off a certain thing mm-hmm. to activate this thing to open the door. And each route is just like an assault course on this stage. It's like going through the crypt. In fact, you have to quick switch... Quick, Switching up your characters and jumping through things and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, this, it's just really nice, responsive, fun, pretty game. Really nice, really nice cartoony art style to it. Lots of fun. Good stuff, but tricky. Um, the only things that's a bit of a pain is changing spells and changing characters. When you first get them, it's just, I'll tap RB to turn into the, to the, whatever the first one was. Pig is mm-hmm. the first one you turn into. Yeah. He's a thief. He can sniff things and find clues and it's find hidden things pound, in the environment. Probably. I can't. They, loads of them do ground pounds. No. Um, but, like, once you've unlocked a second one, 
pressing that button brings up a wheel for you to select. Oh, it's like a weapon okay. wheel. And it kind of feels like a bit of a stopping your tracks type thing as you're playing. I would have liked it if you could have just tapped the button and cycle through with the characters or something. Just a quicker way to switch up characters because, yeah. like, if you only want the one that's next in line, you don't necessarily want to bring up a wheel, stop the action while you search thing. thing no. up. Same with the spells as well. Like, a quicker way to switch between them would have been would have been a bit of fun because it would have allowed you to keep running and just switch up as you're running and all this sort of stuff, which... You know, because when you're doing the like the assault course bits where you have to jump over loads of traps, it kind of feels like a bit of a momentum killer to stop. Um, you get like snakes that go up walls and stuff, and when you're the pig, you sink to the bottom in the water, so yeah. you can run on the bottom. But Do you, you can get also frog, uh, you get a frog man, don't you? Yeah, don't yeah, they get froggy forms yeah. and stuff. It's all sort. It's 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 a lot of good fun. Um, but yeah, solid solid game, really good. Yeah. I haven't played the other one, the Wonder Boy and the Dragon's I'm Trap, which is the one now. everyone loves. I'm playing that now. Yeah. Um, really good. I don't. I haven't completed it yet, so I don't really have a full review of it. One of the things that um, that you don't realise playing it is how much work they've gone into making everything look like it makes sense. Because when you switch to the master master system version, like the difference between assets and where you're meant to go and mm. stuff, it's. I mean, it's, it's obviously that's how old your games were. You sort of just kept playing until you worked out what to do. Yeah. Um, when you switch over to that new graphic style. It's so clear, like, and obviously we take that for granted nowadays. But being able to actually flip between the two is nice. Yeah, and also, Wonder Boy in Monsterland is it based on Wonder Boy in Monsterland? Yeah, I can't remember which Monster one. Monster yeah. But um, now the original was obtuse as heck, but it's it's linear, but it's just well, yeah. The original, like, isn't it Adventure Island? Adventure Island is kind of the original. Adventure Hill is it's a mess. Yeah, it's a whole mess. Because I always, I, I, when I was younger, I always got um, like Monster, Monster Boy and, and Monster World, and Monster Boy and Wonder Boy is the same Kidd. thing. And because Alex Kidd had Ninja World and Monster World as well. No, Alex Kidd had Shinobi World. Shinobi World. Apologies. Yeah, apologies. Jesus. Jeez. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry Alex oh Kidd. my God. Alex Kidd realists out there. But no, it, it's, yeah, Monster Boy and Curse Kingdom. It's really good. It was on sale the other week, a few weeks back. It was like eighteen boy. quid, wasn't it? It's cheaper than that, I think. I can't remember. It's always been like thirty something quid, and people mm. have been like, "It's too expensive." It's not. It's not too expensive. It's a good game. Just freaking play. I always, I always look on Amazon. You pay thirty quid for a two D Metroid game. You like, yeah. you'd pay thirty quid for this. Like, I always look on Amazon because they sometimes get them back in stock. The physical mm. edition, always thirty quid, and then they yeah. sell out, and someone ramps the price up to like fifty, sixty quid. Yeah, because yeah. they come with like a map and all this other cool shit. It's like a really nice little edition. Mm. Um, it's a bit like Dead Cells. Dead Cells had a really nice physical edition, and Moonlighter and um, War, 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 War Groove. War Groove. War, 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 War Groove. No, I downloaded that when it came out. I know you did. I can't I, deal with these physical editions coming out months later. Yeah, I know. I, I just my thing is that I kept getting bonuses from work, so I kept using the money. Kept on... getting bonus from work. Yeah, all the time. It's mm. fucking inconvenient. Yeah, Miss Monster Boy <laughs> in the Dragon's Trap, not Dragon's Trap, Curse Kingdom. There's two, they also released one of the old Wonder Boy games around the same time. Like, on the original one, they did a port of it to um, consoles, and it was like, I'd say a port, it's a remake one, because they've redrawn the graphics, but the graphics look terrible. They're like mobile phone, cartoony-looking graphics. Oh, uh, Adventure Island? No, it was, it was Wonder Boy, but it was one of the old Wonder Boy games, and just whoever owned the license to it just did this really weird um, port that was like a half-assed thing and there's also the Sega Ages Wonder Boy in Monsterland that they brought out which is fine yeah well it's yeah, the original game just the original game yeah which I've got that as well because I well, like didn't he, he was also part of, uh, one of the games was also part of the Sega 3D the 3DS game probably yeah they I had like 3D those. versions 
You know, download games on the 3DS. No, no, no. Like, it was a cart. And it came with, like, you could play... That was too expensive. What was the one where you're running forward and you fire and you can move up and down? Um, What's the game where you can move forward and... No, no, no. Like, you're running forward. It's like a 3D plane and you're running forward and you fire a gun and you, you can float and stuff like that. It's a really famous Space game. Space Harrier? Yeah. Space Jeez. Harrier. They had that in 3D. Anyway. I've reviewed it. Cool. Yeah? Is it my review? No. Cool. Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom. It's alright. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. I like when you hit monsters and then um, there's the mushroom guys and I like hitting them. And I like when there's the bits where you have um, you get launched into the background and you run around in the background all tiny and then you get launched back into the foreground. Like the Mutant Muds collection, which is mm. currently on offer for only £1.69. Yeah. It's actually a really good set of games as well. But, yeah. It's not as cool as Wonder Boy, though. No, it's not. Or it's... Monster Boy, or whatever his name is now. Mutant Muds is really good. Zero Drift is really good. I think it's the same studio. So anyway, basically, what happened was they made Wonder Boy in Monsterland, yeah. And when he got brought over to the UK, some person didn't actually have the proper license for it, okay. And they rebranded it as Wonder Boy in Monster World, yeah, for whatever reason. And Sega were like, "You don't have the license for this, so we're taking our like game back. You yeah. can't sell this anymore." I had it, and then they re-released it as Wonder Boy in Monster World, and they kept the Wonder World Monster World license and used it later on another game. Oh. So they basically just took this guy who didn't who released it without getting the proper license for it and stole everything he made. And then just released it. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Fuck them. I mean, that's one way of doing it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, good old Sega. Sega. Gay, You've seen Sonic the movie, haven't you? No. No. Oh. Alright, well, Because I'm not a five year old child. Oh, I've seen it, and I'm not a five-year-old child, so shows you, doesn't it? Um, my first review is going to be the new Amazon Prime TV series <sighs> called Upload. It sounds terrible. Have already. you heard? Do you actually know what it is? No. Okay. I don't look at Amazon Prime. It's possible to find anything on that fucking hell site. Let me let me paint you a... Jesus, like, me, I want to look at movies. Here's some random movies we you think you'll like. Let with my words. Okay. So Upload is a TV program. It's 10 episodes and it's all about um, a, a world in which technology has gotten to the point where once you die, your consciousness is uploaded to a heaven in which you can live out the rest of your days in, in luxury or, well, depending on how much money you've got because there's still those capitalist infrastructure. Like the film Surrogates. No. So the, film, the, the program starts and we, we meet our main character played by Robbie Amell who is going about his day, absolutely normal, trying to sell the software that he's created. He is in an accident... Wait, is it Robbie Mel thing? It's not the one where he's got mutant powers? No, I've seen that as well, but I didn't review it. Wow. Um, because it's fine. Yeah, that was a f- that was fine, it's just it wasn't very interesting. It's a little bit more How interesting. How many things is he in now? <clears throat> Loads of stuff. He was really good in The Baby, sir. Okay, anyway, so uh, Robbie Mel, he's like living his best life. He's very vain, but he also does care about the people around him. His girlfriend, he wants to break up with her but because she's a bit insane. Um, she's very, very rich, comes from a very rich family. And they have... Um, basically, he's he told her he loved her and all this other stuff just because, you know, they'd been together for quite a while and he was... It was a very physical relationship. They're very attracted to each other and they like to fuck. And, and having these automatic cars they, there's a scene where they have sex in the car whilst it's moving which seems very convenient if you're a busy person like me working all the time to have a car that drives I would have ruined that David Cronenberg film what drive crash crash <laughs> <laughs> 
they're like going at it and they're just like, it's not crashing. Um, Why isn't it crashing? Anyway, so yeah, Robbie O'Mell sadly is in a car accident yeah. in his automated car, which shouldn't be able to happen because they have sensors that detect if there's anything around them. And it basically just keeps going until it runs into a fucking dump truck. And then... <laughs> fucking... Of course it would happen. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not supposed... In the world, it like, it's basically there has never been a... Well, there hasn't been a road accident for decades. Oh. Because these cars are all working in sync. And obviously, if by that point you do have hundreds of cars and they're all on a network, and they all work to the same network, and none of them are broken, none of them are, like, misfiring, then, no, you wouldn't have road accidents anymore. Oh. Um, and then, you know, obviously if there weren't cars on the network, then you would. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so he is taken to hospital... He's rushed into hospital and they're like saying all this stuff to him. And basically it's a very hectic scene in which he's being told, oh, your lung's punctured, your ribs are broken, this is broken, that's broken. It, you're dying, essentially. You, you, It looks like you're dying. And that he's fully conscious. He's fully aware and he's talking and he's verbalizing. So, you know, it seems very suspicious that they, they keep saying, oh, you're dying, you're dying, you're dying. And also one thing of note is that the AI for his car... Which seems to be on the fritz at one point is also the AI in the in the the like the medical devices. It seems like there's like a universal AI, almost like Apple own everything. But anyway, so he he is told he's on death door and he's given a decision at the end of the. They've literally got like two signs at the end of the end of the corridor, and one says upload, which means your consciousness goes to the afterlife, the digital afterlife, and then to the right it's OR or um, yeah OR or operating room, whatever it's called. And um, and his girlfriend says, I'll sign this, take him to upload and get him uploaded. Mm. So he gets taken into a room and he's sat in a chair and he's still very vocal, very verbal. He's not got oxygen or any drugs being pumped into him. So you, you'd have to ask the question, is, why would any doctor think that this man was crashing and not just remove the devices and check his pulse and check how he's doing that way? Um, but apparently they don't. And he's taken to this room, he's sat in the room, and they go, okay, so I'm just going to pop this here, and they bring out this big, like, it's basically like a polystyrene casket. And they place it in front of him, and he goes, wait, 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 but but what's happening? And then the guy's like, look, your vials are dropping, we need to do this whilst you're alive, because if you're dead, when we upload you, it doesn't really transfer. So what happens is, like, you end up there and you're a bit like a weird zombie monster. So we need to get this done now, so are you going to be uploaded, or are we just turning this off? And he goes, he's like looking and his mum's there and his girlfriend's there and all the pressure. And he goes, he goes, okay, upload. And he's like, okay, uploading. And like does the sequence, presses the button. And the upload process is, and this is, this is quite shocking when you see it. It is, it's quite fun to, to see it, but they physically scan your skull down to your neck, but that destroys that tissue. Nice. <laughs> so his head just goes. And this is just his neck, and then his body drops into the polystyrene casket. And his mum and his, his girlfriend are there, and they both scream with terror because obviously people don't often see this happen. Um, and then from there, that the premise is that he's in the AT&T Premier Hotel, which is his afterlife, and it's this beautiful hotel and this this incredible woods and this huge lake. And he gets told to fight aliens with these special weapons. And- <laughs> No, basically, he discovers that the afterlife, um, there are free services. So you basically pay rent to live in this afterlife for forever. Oh, it's a free-to-play game. Jeez. You've got it straight away. Fucking... So there are free events. So, like, you can get breakfast, but breakfast only lasts till 10. And then after 10, all the food disappears. You don't need to eat, but obviously it'd be nice to have those creature comforts of when you're alive. Would you like um, bacon? You have to wait four hours for bacon to respawn. Basically. Oh, would you like to buy bacon now? Yeah, so he goes up into his room and there's there's a fridge that has like coffee and stuff. And he's like, oh, can I have a coffee? And he presses the button. It's like $2.99. He's like, what? And um, 
And because he has been transferred to the AT&T one, he finds out that it's his girlfriend's plan. She signed him up to be on her plan. So she's essentially controlling the purse strings. But you never really... And from there, like, basically, it's him on, trying to work out who, how he died, why he died, how the accident happened, who was in charge, and you sort of find out more about the software that he's developing. And it, they reveal in, like, the third episode, the software is actually something that would create... Basically, it's like... Um, Imagine Minecraft, but for your afterlife. So you could build whatever afterlife you want, and your family could all go there. And you could all live in this place, and there's like user-generated content, and you could have yours located. Like, imagine like Simsville. That would be just a pervert thing in no time. It would eventually just become a pervert thing. But but it would basically destroy... It would destroy the... the, um, It would destroy the industry. Because it's free, and people would take it. Of course they take it. It's like, there are people that choose just to die in this universe, because obviously no one wants to live forever. That's one factor of it. And then also, like, in terms of the prospect, there is a free version. So every afterlife has to offer a free version. So they have to take in a certain amount of people that go on the free version. But that would take up bandwidth. And it obviously, like, generating this photorealistic entire universe for people to explore and constantly oh, It's not use. like Lawman, man. No. No. Um, it, it takes bandwidth. So the people that are in the free-to-pay version, they're called the two gigs. So they have two gig a month, like you would on a phone. And that two gig is... What the, year is this same? Like 10 years away. It's not too unrealistic, is it? Two gig? <laughs> well, two gig for your entire existence turns out that doesn't really last at all. So there are people down there, and once you run out of that data, your body just basically suspends. You just go like grey, and you sit there until the month's over, and then you get two gig again. And there are people down there that like forego different options on their avatar so that they don't waste that money so quickly. So one guy's walking around completely naked because clothes cost data. And he's also got no genitals. And like, you know, he just, even though he has no genitals, he's still wandering around trying to read books, but they've only got the first 10 pages of every book because they're in the free version. Mm. Um, and the food they get given, it turns out it's all like um, product testing for companies. So it's all like um, Weight Watchers, like Weight Watchers new crab linguine, <laughs> and like people hate it. It's horrible food, but they basically they're treated like slaves. Um, and then, well, not like slaves, just game the system. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what you find out. So one of the nice touches are um, on the first episode, well, on the second episode, when he's actually in the environment, he meets someone who who explains why they're there. So it turns out that there's also a military program where your insurance, if you if your military insurance pays out, then the government, you get to be like on the government's ticket. So like for politicians and things like that, but also for decorated combat vets. And there's a guy who lost his legs in war, came back and basically was just like, well, I don't have family. I don't have anyone else in my life. So I was just wheeling around in a wheelchair, just wondering what the fuck am I going to do with myself? I found out about this program, so I just rolled my ass into traffic, and then now I've got legs. I mean, they're not real legs, but they're real enough to me. He's dancing around and stuff, and he's like, it was that, I'll kill himself. And he was like, well, you kind of did kill yourself. And he goes, I kind of killed myself with benefits. Mm. And he's he's worked out gaming the system, so he finds out that even if you miss lunch, you can still get bread rolls from the bread roll dispenser by opening and closing the empty fridge door four times, and one just appears. And like, if you want to use the pre the premium function, because he doesn't have premium like access, so he can't use like the spa and shit. Like he has to. If he wants to go running, he can go running. If he wants to go in the lake, he can go in the lake. But they've got like these like stupid like fantasy spas that are meant to feel amazing. So he finds out that you can't enter that area if you don't have a pass. 
but the system won't stop you entering that area if you're if you're being taken there by the AI, which is just these like hundreds of clones of this one ginger guy that people abuse and treat horribly. And he is incredibly creepy because he just stands like at times when like when there's an interaction between people and they're like, oh, can you get me this? He'll come and bring it and hand it to them. And then he'll sit there staring at the last person to give him an order. So he'll stand in the background of scenes and just be looking at people like, like no blinking, no nothing. And it's, it's kind of creepy. But um, he finds out that if he asks one of those one of those AI bots to go and check the water temperature of the of the spa, he can just jump on their back. <laughs> and there's a walking interior. He just jumps down, jumps in the pool. And that character, I really like that idea. Like, um, there are sadder stories in there. There's like, there's like a kid whose family is like basically destitute because they're paying for this kid to be there. Um, at the same time, the kid was nine or ten when he died. He's been there for eighteen years. So he's a nine or ten year old in a nine year old or ten year old's body. If his parents want him to have the body of the age he is, so that he can at least look like an adult and have sex and do those sorts of things then they have to pay for an upgrade in his avatar, which they can't afford. You know, like Just find another nine-year-old and, walk and sit on their shoulders and wear a trench coat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's all, like, really interesting ideas like that, mm. that, are, like, sort of, they aren't... You don't get a full story from it. Mm. Like, that kid thing is solved in an episode where they go to, like, there's... It turns out there are more than, like, one or two glitches. There's a certain part of the bushes that don't load properly. So if you go into them, you go beyond the code and you basically get into where they've got like the recycled bin. Shoddily made. Yeah. Well, of course it's No AT&T. one's QA test it. It's AT&T. Mm. How do you QA test a virtual reality where people have to be dead to experience yeah, all this exactly. stuff? Exactly. I mean... Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... And there's like really interesting things like there are cheaper services and stuff like that. And you can see the difference between the cheap services and the expensive services. Like he, he gets to attend his own funeral. And the way that he attends is they have just a massive TV screen that is just his image whilst he's in like this chapel like that's what it is so they can just see him in a chapel that's just him his great you know, his girlfriend's great grandmother who's all in black and white because they only had black and white pictures for her avatar they didn't have any colour pictures except for when she was old and horrible so she was like just upload me as I am in these pictures and she's in black and white um, but like yeah like I said interesting ideas but it never really comes to like full like, you don't really get the the full scope of this. And also, at the same time, like, characters... Although it's a comedy show, you'd expect there to be a little bit more depth to some of the characters. And they're just not there. Again, Robbie and Mel, the, the main mystery... Like, as soon as I saw the machine was, like, saying, like, oh, he's coding and he's still talking. Like, that could have been better planned. But at the same time, it's Greg Daniels, who I think made The Good Place. I don't know for sure. But he's done other stuff as well. As a cool Daniels kid. <laughs> um, but he's done other stuff just like this. Uh, I think it is Greg. I, don't know, I, can't check. Um, I thought you said you were getting all the cast lists I did, list but I've got out. the cast list up. I don't have the producers or the directors. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's really, really slight, but it's it's good. And like I said, there are ideas it touches on that are really interesting. But Stephen Amell's not in it, is he? No. Oh, one of the nice things is that Robbie Amell... So basically, when you go to these places, they have like a bank of customer service people, mm. and they're called the Angels, because it's like meant to be heaven. And he he starts falling for one of the women that's alive and starts talking to her and, like, builds up a relationship. And he, you know, obviously he's in a place where he could have those relationships, talk to people. So many of the people there are couples and people that, you know, died and been uploaded together. Um, so he's he's feeling very lonely and he sort of connects to this person outside. And she, at the same time, also starts getting feelings for him. 
starts digging into what's happening and his, his cousin digs into it as well. Like, basically, everybody's trying to solve this mystery but at the same time. They're all trying to work out, it's like... There's no point. He's got no head now. Can't do anything about it. Oh, yeah. Well, there is, there is an episode where they, um, they're they showing that they're, exp- they're experimenting with cloning. Oh. So it's like a synthetic body so that you can upload and then download someone. And the first person to do it is someone who bid billions and billions of dollars... And they're all watching on TV and they're all like, oh, this is it. This is the big moment. And he gets downloaded into this body and he's like, I feel great. I feel stronger than I've ever felt before. I feel young again. Why do I look old? I feel young again. <laughs> like, And one of the doctors goes, oh, uh, nosebleed. And he's like, what? Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> this blood starts pouring out his nose and his eyes and then suddenly his fucking head explodes on live TV nice and like someone just jots down it's like a few months away from next test phases <laughs> but yeah like like I said it's so slight that there are like it, it, lots of big questions about what this would mean for the world and, and the only thing we really get in, in terms of a sense of the cheaper services are we we see one of the offices and in the in the expensive one like if you want to talk to someone, they've got like little digital avatars that can that can appear, or they've got VR rooms where you can go and you can stand and like talk to them and be there around them. In the cheaper one, what they've got is they've got um, they go, oh, we've got we've got um, MR. It's migrated reality, so we're flying above the actual this beautiful place, but we can't go down there. We can't go anywhere near it. We ah. can just see it from up here. But what we're going to do is we're going to get your son in. And we're going to see what he thinks about the whole thing. So he presses a button and this sort of like crystal ball rises up. And you know, like you think, oh, that's like the hologram projector, but it's all encompassed in a ball. So that's, that's what that is. And he goes, all right, can I just quickly get you something? It's this big data cartridge and they slide it in. And they go, I'm going to load him up into this world. He's going to let us know what he thinks about this beautiful new island that he could potentially live on. Press the button and suddenly it's Robbie and Mel's screaming head in this globe, just going like, oh God, oh, where are my arms? Where is the rest of my body? Because it's literally just loads of the head in this ball, like a terrifying Chris. Anyway. It's fine. It's very, very, like I said, it's very slight. I don't think it's on terrestrial TV or on any sort of channels or anything. It's only on Amazon Prime. So if you've got the service, it looks really nice in 4K. And like I said, there's some ideas in there that are really interesting, but they just don't, don't do enough with them. And that's, that's irritating because it's just, it's like having an itch and like, and like you scratch it a little bit and they're like, okay, okay, Daniel, like, no, it still itches. I want to itch the rest of it. And they're like, okay, but there's another one. And you're like, oh, I can only see, oh God, there's another one. And like, it's just these, eventually you're just going to have a rash of ideas that aren't being utilized. Um, but yeah. But you've got to give it seven seasons before it starts. I think they've, they've, together. they've already got it for another season. But mm. after that, I don't, I don't think it's, I, Robbie and Mel will flake on it again. He flakes on everything. He does dis- he? Yeah, he disappears from all the shows he's on. Like what? X-Files. And did two seasons, didn't they, with him? Yeah, it's but that's bit. because they didn't want him anymore. Same with Joe McHale. Joe McHale mm, was flash. Yeah, but Flash, they wanted to change it anyway. Mm, just disappear. He just leaves. Because Flash originally wasn't the they idea... They replaced him with a criminal. Well, no. <laughs> well, the idea with Flash was originally that, that Firestorm was only going to be it for like a series and then they were going to cure the other guy and the other guy was going to stay on like Cisco. Yeah, but then they got the other guy playing Firestorm and yeah, they who sort of fired him. But like, I mean, look well, at he how... He got fired. He got written out of the show, but he, he basically got fired because he assaulted someone in the McDonald's. Did he? Yeah. Oh, the black dude. Yeah, he's a troublemaker, that lad. Oh, I he liked him. He beat a guy who was on, he got caught on people's cameras and all sorts. Oh. Yeah. I liked him. There's something else he did as well. Yeah. Oh, what? Problematic. Yeah, that he's sucks. a problematic person. Anyway, but yeah, um, I give and this... And they replaced him with 
No one. <laughs> um, I give this a Henry Winkler. Like, it's good. Like, Henry Winkler. Yeah, Henry Winkler. It's charming. It's good. There's some cool stuff in there. Um, and also there are some bits that, you know, you could just ignore, but for the most part, it's quite good. Your review, Ant. You're not supposed to ignore stuff. That's the thing. Like, you, little bits and pieces here and there. Maybe you ignored a part that was very important. Not whole episodes. Whole I think there are, there isn't, there isn't really a bad episode in there, but I think that there are little bits and pieces that you just need to go, okay, I'm not going to find out about this. Let's just shut that down. Sorry, because you can understand the greatness of Picard, which is a, I didn't like Picard. It wasn't good. Either. I told you it was bad, and then you were like, I'm going to wait until I can watch it. And then it came on, you got Amazon Prime, and you were like, I'm going to sit down and watch Picard. And every so often I'd come in here, and there's only one other time that I've seen you make this face, but you looked at me like, yeah. And the only other time I've seen you make that face is when I came in here whilst you were watching Transformers the other day, and Mark Wahlberg was piloting a submarine or something like I came in right the at the point submarine was driving oh, itself there you go. That was the, the submarine was a transformer I came in right in a scene where we both at the same time were talking about the aspect ratio changing every five seconds and you just made this face like yeah there's like three or four in this <laughs> but yeah that's a disappointment I guess I watched Bumblebee again last night good film yeah it's a great film John Cena is fucking charming as a villain isn't he he's not really a villain in it he's an antagonist not a villain I love the fact that you tweeted out, like, he's noticed their Decepticons and that name's a bit dodgy. Yeah. But he still goes along with them. It's because it's his job. Is it? Yes. He's doing, he's working for his country. He's doing his job. All right. But it's the only Transformers film where someone goes, they're called Decepticons. Yeah, I know. And it's John Cena. All right. I love that Agent Simmons is in it. No one ever notices that. There's a young agent in it. It's Agent Simmons, the one John Turturro plays in the other films. Oh, is it? It's meant to be a young Agent Simmons. He's got like three lines in the whole film. Oh. <laughs> the only character from the Michael Bay films to survive into Bumblebee is also, Agent Simmons. one of the Simmons. worst characters. Yeah. Like, John Turturro, like, he was a good actor. And then he got paid by Michael Bay to stand around in his pants for two. Oh, wait, the first one he was a secret agent. The second one he ran a deli. Yeah. The third one he was in his pants. There's all sorts. It's just a mess. Anyway, what am I going to review? Oh no, your next review. Transformers Earth Wars. What is that? It's a mobile phone game. It's Clash of Clans with Transformers. Oh God! I think it's Clash of Clans. I haven't played Clash of Clans. I have no idea what Clash of Clans is. But I've seen a screenshot of Clash of Clans and I think this is the same thing. So you have a base and you build the base and every now and again you get a crystal which you use on the space bridge to bring a new Transformer in. But after a little while, you barely ever get new Transformers. You just get Gumpf, one of the million currencies in the game. And then when you got a team built up, um, there's a single-player campaign to play through to unlock combiners and stuff like that. But when you build a team up, you go and play, fight other people's bases. So their bases, you know, have defences and your utilities and whatnot, your Energon mines. Obviously, there's two different types of material you need. Of course. Yeah, and then there's the premium currencies and the real currencies and all this sort of stuff. It's just... All sorts of different things. There's sparks to collect mm. that you need to power up your moves and stuff. Um, but yeah, you just you get loads of Transformers and you level them up and then it gets to a point where they can't level up anymore because of their star rating. And, you know, every 10 levels you have to research to be able to level up even further. But, like, level st- one star ones can only go to level 20 anyway, which will get you to, like, the fourth mission of the single-player mode. Um, 
So there's all lots of stuff. You click on a thing and it says you've got to wait eight hours for it to upgrade. Click on another thing and it'll be like 12 hours and it just keeps building up as you go. Um, oh, like that fucking Godzilla game. Not always game. Godzilla game's actually... That, that trundles along all right, that does. Yeah, but you can repeat like you can repeat whole chunks to kind of pass time. Well, the whole point of the Godzilla game is you hit a wall and then you reverse time so you come yeah. back with more power. It's like Disgaea with its um, thingy. This one's got none of that. This is just you get to a point and it's just you're waiting, so you might as well just turn it off. Yeah. Um, although when you get to a certain point on your headquarters, you can have Decepticon team, so you can start another base as a Decepticon, which I guess is their way of making sure there's never too many of one side. Although, looking at the leaderboard, it's very Autobot-centric. It seems Decepticons get the shaft a little bit. Because no one gets that far. Yeah. I Probably. It's my point. You can, you can start with Decepticons. Okay. But at the start, he goes, do you want to be your bot or Decepticon? And that's just like, oh, well, I've got no information about what I have on my team. Mm. Um, interesting designs, though. Like, there's a uniform design to the characters. They haven't gone for, like, here's your G1 heroes, and here's your Beast Wars heroes, and here's your, like, Transformers Siege design characters, and all this sort of stuff, and... You know like how a lot of those games on mobile where they'll just they'll forgo a uniform design just to make sure they show you all the characters you like from various different disparate versions of the world. Yeah. But instead, if you have a Beast Wars character, they look like they belong in the same design philosophy as the other characters. Yeah. So they're not very like Optimus Primal isn't a furry furry gorilla. He looks like a robotic gorilla, like something you would have got from the nineties when all the you know all the dragons and dinosaurs and animal ones like Grimlock and Dinobots they didn't look like proper dinosaurs they looked like robot dinosaurs mm. and that's what they've done with the Beast Wars characters one of them they're called Tigerhawk and I'm pretty sure Tigerhawk should be Silverbolt not Tigerhawk I can't remember I seem to remember in Beast Wars Silverbolt and Air Raid fused together but I don't think they changed the name I think he's still called Silverbolt because he was always a griffin he had a cat head and Griffin Wings. I have no idea when it comes to Transformers. I know my Beast Wars. I like my Beast Wars. Um, I, I've unlocked like um, Rhinox and Tiger Hawk. Anyway, with the Beast Wars, you get combiners, and combiners basically like you'll have like a Superior or something, and they'll go transform into Superior, and it'll be like a first wave attack you can do. Yeah. So it'll get his ass kicked after a while. You might be able to defeat the base, but it's a big, powerful. First wave attack, so you can use it to try and barge your way through some enemy lines and then send off your troops afterwards. Um, and there's some nice little designs, some obscure characters in there. I got Sentius Magnus, which is like properly obscure, friggin' like ancient Cybertron character who's I think was in the IDW comics a few years back when, when they were doing the power of the pro when they were doing the original story about how there was 12 primes and all that. Um, which the Michael Bay films did, but they made all the primes just big, great metal men um, but he's like an obscure character who turns into like a Cybertronian tank thing which is kind of neat mm. I, think it's, I think it's weird they've got him in there it's quite cool I've got two Sunstreakers identical they're not different one's a level one a one star Sunstreaker one's a two star Sunstreaker I guess I'll see how much more powerful the two star one is um, he starts you off with Ironhide as one of your first characters you get and he's trash absolutely useless he charges into things and then dies that's what he seems to do and I got Windblade. She's from animated and stuff like that. She's one of the newer characters they come up with, and as they they redesign them all to make them look alright. The Optimus they give you early on is a bit shit. He's sort of like he's hanging in there with my top team, but he is one of the weaker ones mm. in the top team. But there's some neat ones on. They've got the um, the female combiners. I unlocked two of the female combiners, and I think when you've got an entire group of the combiners, which I haven't managed yet, because I'm sure it's an absolute nightmare to do. 
you can then unlock their combiner. Whereas I've just had the story mode where it makes you have superior. Yeah. So I imagine when you, if you actually do get a full team of combiners, you'll be able to use combining things to create whatever those ones are. Victorion, that's the name of the girl one. It was like they did this thing where they were like, um, they asked the fans what combiner they wanted to see next or something a few years back. Yeah. And everyone voted for a, an all girl combiner group. And it was like, wait, they're robots. Cars. Yeah, they're female robots and transformers. Okay. Why not? Yeah, no, fair enough. They've got robots with two heads and all sorts. There's all sorts what? of stuff going on in Transformers nowadays. It's gay robots and shit. Are you serious? Yeah, Transformer fans get really upset when you bring up that Drift's gay. Who? Drift. You know the one who was played by Ken Watanabe in the films? Yes. was a samurai. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, his character in the comics is, like, totes gay. Oh. He likes... I think it was Ratchet. He was... I can't remember. It's pretty awesome. Um, He looks better in the comics as well. Terrible in the film. Friggin'. Mm. Oh, we need a samurai character. Let's just draw a samurai man and make Ken Watanabe do his thick Japanese accent. And yeah. he's like, you know I can speak with a clear English accent yet. Yeah. No, do your Japanese accent. Do the racist one. Yeah. Like, friggin' God. Um, Blaster's an interesting one on the team. He doesn't transform, because obviously his transformation would be useless because he turns into a cassette player. Mm. Um, although you could turn to cassette player and do some sort of sound blast thing. Yeah. Instead, say, he launches his little mini cassettes out. Oh, yeah. And you get Steel Jaw and Rampage. And so he's essentially a Cenobite. Sort of, he's, no, he's, he's Do you like. CD a, Cenobite? Yeah, he's on <laughs> the cassettes. Yeah. They launch out and transform and start fucking shit up. Oh, so they're like mini robots. Are they yeah. sentient robots? Well, you can't really control much because it's a Clash of Clans type game. Oh, right. Your guys just head towards whatever the first target was. You oh. can't tell them to target anyone else unless you've got, like, Optimus Prime. His special move lets you choose a target and they'll charge. Which, nine times out of ten, I just wait for that to cough and then charge the base and you win. Um,. Is it self-aware? Like, every so often does he go, am I giving birth no, to these? No. Are these my children? No. He's just, like, throwing tapes out. he just jump out, and then he does a little break dance when you win. Because he's blaster. Look out and shout. But he's Ow. throwing out tiny robots. Yeah, from his chest. His cassette deck, isn't he? Yeah. And he's, cassettes they he's producing them, I'm assuming. Well, no, they're already in there. They stay in there. I mean, the toy, you could only put two in at a time, but, you know, there was there was four Autobot ones. Rewind, eject, rampage, and rhyme, r- 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 um, steel jaw, the lion. They did repaints. It's there's, there's loads of cassettes. Okay. They turned them into data disc things later. They were like Cybertronian disc things. They were like mini discs the way like, forward. You pushed a thing and they went. They um, exploded and transformed, but then transforming them back was a nightmare because the spring kept trying to spring them back out. Um, I want a Soundwave masterpiece figure. Can you get on that for me, please? Cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah just be, order yeah. one. Only about a hundred and some quid. Um. Actually, if you get me Sound Blaster, the black version of Soundwave, the one that was based on the original Japanese toy, that'd be really nice. Mm. 100 and some quid, cheers. Yeah. But no, it's, I mean, it's a Clash of Clan clone. The best things from it is probably when you get a new Transformer and it plays a little cutscene where they're talking to each other and, you know, having a bit of a laugh. Having some bants. Some some banter. Some mad yeah. bants. Yeah, some mad Bants, indeed. Yeah. Um, but it is it is just a endless time sink. There's a couple of things that are decent. Like, if you manage to pull the same character again, like, let's say it's a two-star character, you get, instead of getting the character, you get a bunch of crystals that go towards another currency to unlock a guaranteed two-star character later or something. So, like, if you keep getting the same character over and over again, you'll eventually be able to at least claim another one. Yeah. So, yeah, but that is, like... 
like multiple different types of crystals you can get and then the multiple different currencies and there's all these timers and things that take ages to unlock and like hard limits on how far you can upgrade something so you can't try and get ahead of the curve and all this and it's yeah it's one of those mobile games like i say i assume is like clash of clans i don't know because i've never played clash of clans I did play years ago, there was like some mobile phone browser, not mobile, um, internet browser based game that everyone was playing. I don't know, if, I can't remember what it was called. It was one where you had like a little Viking village type thing and you had to build the village up. And you had like big old clans and people would trash your villages. I can't remember what it was called, but everyone played it for a while. Villages? No. It wasn't, what's that game where all the adverts had the ladies with the busty tops? Oh, I remember that. It was uh, all like, come play my lord. something. Ivoni. If only, if only, yeah, I've got a bunch of the adverts stored on the computer because I think they're hilarious. I never played any of those. <laughs> never played any no, of those. No bro. one. You click on oh, them and actually, it's just I did friggin- play, I, I played Bootleggers, which yeah. was my browser-based addiction. We play a Mafioso. Ah. And you go and you like bootlegs. I spent most of my time at um, Gala Coral playing Cookie Clicker. Yeah, I know you did, yeah. I got really far on Cookie Clicker. <laughs> I had to talk to drunks all night. <laughs> yeah, that's your fault. It was a tough, tough job night at night. <laughs> That's what you get for doing the night shift, man. During the day, it sounds like it was a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, we had drunks during the day as well. Angry yeah, mums. Pardon? Angry mums and drunks. Oh, yeah. We had lots of angry mums. But, um, yeah, Transformers Earth Wars. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah. As far as these Clash of Clans thing goes, at least it's Transformers. Oh, there is one really good thing. You can go into the options and turn the music to G1 music, and it basically just plays music from the old cartoon instead oh, cool. of... instead you of like, it's a, Not that stuff. It's yeah. all the instrumental stuff. Like that, and that's better because you know it's. I think what you're saying is everyone loves G1 Transformers. What you're saying is that these Clash of Clans games are quite insidious, but if you can find one that at least holds some of your interest due to the nostalgia linked to it, then it's probably okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. My review. Yeah. I'm going to review the brand new Rick and Morty show. Oh. Called Solar Opposites. It's not Rick and Morty show, it's Solar it's Opposites. It's created by show. Justin Roiland, who obviously is... Justin Groin. Ju- Justin Groyland. Uh, Justin Roiland, who is obviously one half of the of the Rick and Morty creative team. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so uh, Solar Opposites is about some aliens that have crash-landed on Earth. Um, they're here because their planet blew up. And uh, they have been given something called a pupa. So it's uh, Corvo and Terry are the two adults. And I can't remember the kids' names, but they've got a pupa. And essentially Terry is responsible for the pupa. Whereas Corvo is the science officer and responsible for fixing the ship and making sure they can get off the earth. Because once the pupa matures, it will... um, It will... um, What's it called? It will... um, uh, terraform the planet so that their species can thrive. Ah. So the pupa is this tiny thing. And it's a, it's a living being and it's meant to go through several stages and they're meant to do certain things to it so that they can make sure it reaches a mature stage. And then once it reaches that stage, it explodes and kills everyone but terraforms the planet. Um, and it's just like Rick and Morty. Like, Corvo being the science officer, obviously he's the Rick of it. And Terry is like a more... Um, more expressive version of Morty, more assured. He's just a fuck-up, but he's a fuck-up who knows exactly what he wants, so he's always like, hey, what you're saying about the pupa is really important, but I need this jet ski. 
So they go and buy a jet ski and they're talking to the guy who's going to sell it to them. And, and the whole time Corvo is being sort of like, he's, he's being very dismissive of the jet ski thing, but they're still looking at it. And like Terry's asking questions like, can it do sweet flips? Is the main question. Mm. And, uh, and the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah, it can do sweet flips, but you got to remember, you got to, you got to flip her when she's ready to be flipped. Cause he's, he speaks about this, this, uh, this jet ski as if he's in love with it. He's like, oh, do you want to, do you want to try and get on top of it? And immediately once that question comes up, Corvo goes, of course I want to get on top of it. And then Terry's like, no, 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 no. I'm here to buy that. And he goes, it's for both of us. I'm going to get on top of this, <laughs> the jet ski. Um, it's, it's fine. Like it's fine. It's as you'd expect an animated TV show by Justin Roiland to be. Um, you got to churn out the identical shows just like, uh, it's not identical. Seth MacFarlane did. It's not un- entirely identical. It's obviously Rick and Morty. He does the same show with a different color character. Just yeah. like Seth MacFarlane did. Yeah, basically. But, but <laughs> one of the nice things are that this does have like an end game. This has mm-hmm. a overarching plot. Like, whereas Rick and Morty, they don't really have repeated plot points. There are like little things in the background, but there's no major drive for them to go from one point mm. to the next. Like every so often, because Rick has gotten a bit slow or he, he wants to deal with a problem, he'll have the, the, um, the, what's it called? The thing of Rick's, the Council of Rick's will mm. be an issue, but they're only an issue in as far as he's willing to, you know, not go out of his way to stop them being. It's his own laziness that's often his undoing. And not even his undoing, because he's essentially a god in that series. Whereas in this, that's not the case. Um, about the cast. So the main, the main Corvo is played by Justin Roiland himself. And he's quite good. He's good as the flat, like, science officer. Um, and Terry is played by Thomas Middleditch, who does a great job. It's the second week I'm, uh, second, second episode that I'm doing a Thomas Middleditch review. Because he was obviously here. I don't know who he is. Middle Could sports. be anyone. Um, but, um, but he's really good as Terry and, and like the, um. Jane Middlemiss. No. Um, and the kids. So the, one of the, one of the nice things about this is are that the, the aliens are like a menace. They do stupid shit to meet their own men. And like their own desires come first beyond the mission, beyond other people's good, like, you know, their health and other things. So there's an episode where they decide they want to hang out with another alien because they've seen him on TV and he's like quite captivating to them. And it's mm. like a Barney's type, Barney type figure, but he's short and hairy. Um, and he's, and he's like this, this kid who teaches other kids and they're like, he's the source of all knowledge. If we can make him real. So they've obviously got a device that can make him real, like a genetic compiler. So they make a version of him and they hang out with this, this tiny version. It turns out that two guys, they meet in a club when they're trying to show the, the thing about drinking, about club life and stuff like that. Two guys in the club are like, Hey, you look like a cool guy. Let's hang out. And it turns out that, that they actually just become really good friends with him. And the aliens run off there like they're scorned and they're upset by the whole thing. So they go and try and recompile him. But the recompiler, it can only take from the base genes, it can only make an inferior copy. So they make this horribly, horribly mutilated copy that's just like, kill me. And they're like, no, you're the source of all knowledge and you're better than the original. He's like, I don't feel better. <laughs> just kill me. And they decide that they're going to take him to the club where the other guys, where the other one's hanging out with these two guys. And um, because he's inferior, his genes are looking to fill the gaps. So they decide they're going to do that by dragging the other one in. And so they mutate into this massive creature. Um, and like this, this whole like apocalyptic scenario goes down, like the episode goes on for another 10, 15 minutes before it reaches conclusion. And then just as it's about to reach conclusion, they're about to kill this thing. There's a way they could extract the weaker ones. They can like pull out the, the broken second copy or they can pull out the one that sort of like had its DNA just ripped to shit. 
And it's like, it's all messed up like the second copy. And they're like, maybe we just kill both. Maybe mm. we not worry about it. And then the two guys from the club come down in a hot air balloon and they're like, like, dude, we're here to save you. We really like you, dude. <laughs> and the two aliens just turn to each other and they go, maybe they were real friends with him and everything. God. I don't care. They just kill. <laughs> just like, that's it. That's the point where they realize their own, like, they, they, they just realize their place in the plot is that they aren't a good influence. They're like, there are some good episodes, like, but again, you're right. There are bits and ideas. Like, I, you remember Million Ants from the episode where um, they've got their knockoff Avengers in Rick and Morty. In this one, they have, they have the idea that they're going to put nanites in the water supply so the nanites travel through people's bodies and collect data and information in their brainwaves and all the details of their lives. And, um, and they're going to use that information to run for local council. So they can beat this old woman who is completely innocent, but she makes the mistake of sitting there and they're like, look at her. She's not getting up to greet us. She doesn't care about us. She thinks we're shit. <laughs> She's like, I'm so old. Could you help me? I have something on a very high shelf. I need someone. And they're like, yeah, of course you'd like to make us your slaves. You are a old bitch. <laughs> like and, and they end up creating these nanobites that are meant to collect all this data. Then in the end, the nanites, they come to love all the people in the community and they're like, they essentially just become sentient and in love with these people and they have all this information. So they also run for office. And it turns out the guy at the local water processing plant that let them throw the nanites in in the first place, he's given him like the top part of his suit because he doesn't really have legs. He's got like this big mound of nanites that move along. And uh, he's given the top part of his suit and he turns up on me and they're like, where'd you get that suit from? And the, the, the sentient pile of nanites just turns to his friend who's just come in the door and he just slowly closes it and runs <laughs> off. <laughs> it's it's just it's a bit more um, visually cohesive than Dan Dan Harmon's hmm. I feel like the part that because they all have a through line they all have completion there's like a long long form to it all so there isn't like an ending in sight for this um, but like there are two episodes that are based entirely inside of a tiny colony of people because the kids have been given this massive vivarium like and it's got tiny little like um, interconnected small plastic housings and they've been given it because they keep shrinking people down that piss them off. And like some of the stories behind these people, like they explain like um, one person, this, this woman. Like a Matt Damon film. A bit like that Matt Damon film. But the, one of these, this woman, like she cuts shrimp like a bit messed up when they're at Benny Hanna. And so they get pissed off and they wait for her to finish work and they shrink her down and chuck her in the vivarium. And there's one guy who goes, ah, to think. I was the leading CEO of AT&T. Again, AT&T, sorry. But I was the leading CEO of AT&T. And now I'm here, just a humble man and his pet mouse that he milks every day to feed the local villagers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're all like screaming about their story. And he goes, he goes, I made the mistake of farting in an elevator and blaming a small alien boy. <laughs> we all made mistakes. That's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and they were just like, and it's, there's two stories that are set within this world and these characters, and they're like probably developed characters, like they have arcs and stuff and like storylines. And um, like I said, there's there's um, the guy with the mouse is adorable. Like the, the there's an episode where the beginning is just him, and he goes through his like humble day. Like he milks his mouse, he puts the milk in these big things, he goes out and he sells it to people, and then he takes the mouse back home and they go to sleep. And he loves his pet mouse, like he's stroking her and looking after her, and like he's very sweet to her. Um, I'm not going to get into the, the uh, you know, the vegan side of me wants to say that mice don't, don't just produce milk, just like cows don't just produce milk. <laughs> People seem to think that they just magically produce milk. But that's besides the point. They've got nipples, you can milk them. 
Uh, yeah, but the body doesn't produce milk unless... Not going to say it. Not going to go into it. Let's not do this. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so yeah. So he, um, he basically, yeah, this mouse, like, there's this big flood. And they have to escape because, like, the it, it becomes very snow piercer. Like, the upper levels are mistreating the lower levels. And um, his mouse saves his life as they're escaping. And they go and jump in this plastic submarine that has, like, a hatch they're going to close so they can stop the flow of the water from getting up any more levels. And the mouse pushes him into it and then pokes its head through and then realizes it can't get through. And so he's like, he's like, no, I can save you. I can save you. And then he goes, where are you going? Where are you going? And the mouse starts dipping back. And then, and then another guy runs along and goes, she knows she can't make it. And he's like, no, no, please. I've got to save my, I love her. No, it's my friend. And again, they close the thing. And then there's a little porthole and the mouse comes up and it like does like its little thing where it like nuzzes him and he goes and he scratches the glass where it is and it like moves its leg. And I was genuinely like, I'm being brought to tears by a fucking cartoon where this is a joke to these people. <laughs> but no, it's like, it's, it's a really good series in so much as if you like Rick and Morty, this is a more violent, more, um, like, they have an effect on the, the whole, like, in Rick and Morty, no matter how many times his granddad freezes someone in school, the school doesn't change. <laughs> in this, they have effects on the entire, like, environment. Well, they destroyed around. an entire universe in Rick and Morty. Well, that's true. But, like, but <laughs> you wouldn't know. <laughs> like, you could jump in from, if, if you didn't see that episode, you wouldn't know unless, unless in other episodes you were like, oh yeah, look at that. No. Have you drank too much Pepsi again? Yeah, I've drank, I've drank, uh, yeah. I think I've drunk too much Pepsi and eaten too much pizza. I got the I got the burps. Um but yeah, it's like I said, I prefer I kind of prefer this to the first season of Rick and Morty just because the despite the fact that again, like it it's a more sophomore program. The art's better, the direction's more clear. Like I said, there are themes and plots that run through, personalities are great. There's some really, really good guest guest characters. Um, Jason Manzoukas pops up in the last episode to play a really irritating character that stows away with them when they start messing with time. And then they go back in time and they've got, they go, we need to bring a very special piece of equipment because we can't touch anything or we'll turn into slime. We need a very special piece of equipment to touch stuff in the past. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So you better get it. He's like, yes, I will. And he goes back and he's, he's just got like a, a broom handle with a fork taped to the end of it. <laughs> and, and whenever anyone sees it, it's just a floating broom handle of a fork. And there's an entire fight between three characters where every so often it cuts to the one character's perspective and all you can see is this fork and this broom handle and he's fighting it with these space weapons. And it's just, it's a really, yeah, really fun episode. But like, like I said, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's really easy to just consume it. But yeah, I think that it, I can see this having more legs than Brick and Morty, but it just needs an audience. And I don't think it's going to get that audience if it's just stuck on Hulu in America. And I think that E4 may or may not be it's for on Netflix, yet. isn't it? No. Isn't there? No, it's on Hulu. Hulu I'm sure it came up on Netflix. Oh, really? I can't remember. No, it's only on Hulu right now. I'm sure Netflix have tried to advertise it to me. Oh, maybe. Um, but yeah, I had to do my VPN trick and everything and get a month of Hulu to watch the fucking thing, just like I did when Mindy Why? Show. Just don't bother. Mindy Show and Community. I wanted to watch it. If I want to watch something, then I'm going to find a way to watch it. Just like I uh, petitioned Rise of Skywalker to go on Disney Plus early. You're, you're welcome, Internet. <laughs> it didn't. They said it was going to go on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can you imagine if that'd be true? No one would listen to the podcast. We'd never hear the end of it. Rion no. Johnson got away fucking easy. Ryan Johnson. I say Rion. Idiot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, um, Solar Opposites. I, I really recommend it to fans of Rick and Morty, but because of that, it's not 
like Rick and Morty's not for everyone. And it's not because you're not intelligent enough to get Rick and Morty. It's just because the animation's kind of crap at times. And in general, it's hit and miss as to whether or not it's good. Like, mm. the problem with Rick and Morty is that Rick and Morty is like Master of None. You remember the Aziz Ansari series? Yeah, no one watched that. Yeah, I did. You did? I watched the first series. Can bother the second. Oh, okay. You ain't getting but a third. Aziz Ansari had like a load of episodes that were like conceptual episodes that were mm. better than the main story because they just drifted it's into... It's how you save budget. Well, no, like it had a bigger cast in the conceptual episodes and there were more sets and yeah, more Yeah, but they're places. not main cast members, oh, okay. so they only get paid scale. Fair enough. So then you can I shoot think everybody gets just paid scale in fucking Netflix yeah. and they get like a deal for producing stuff and shit like that. But anyway, yeah, um, so the opposite. I recommend it to fans of Rick and Morty. It's not for everyone. I'm going to give it a Chris O'Dowd. I think that, you know, yeah. Funny, fun, but not for everyone. Your review, Ed. What am I going to review, Matt? I'm not sure. That seamless pause there has uh, really just drifted into the next segment. So, you know, the world is really your oyster. What have you done? What have you played? What have you seen? Talk to me. Well, you had to go have a piss. Yeah, that was why. That yeah. was why it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I should review Transformers Cyberverse. Oh, yeah, cool. Season two. Okay. Because it's on Netflix now. I know there's newer episodes out. Season three's not finished. I can't be asked to go looking through that YouTube channel to find them. I'm far too lazy. Because there's a Hasbro YouTube channel and they upload the new series oh, okay. on there. And I can't be. I'll, I'll wait for it to be, be on Netflix. Obviously, you're saying this to the audience because I know because I'm a massive Transformers fan. Hmm. Anyway, Transformers Cyberverse. Season one was like, it's a fun enough little thing. It was like 18, 10 minute episodes. Um, the premise was Bumblebee's on Earth. He's lost his memory. Windblade's found him and she's trying to restore his memories. So every week it would, well, most weeks, he'd be linked into a computer and you'd get some sort of flashback to a previous event that's happened. Yeah. So you can piece together where the arc is that Optimus is on before the Decepticons arrive on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends with them freeing all the Autobots and a battle kicks off and show ends there. Um, season two kind of just like jumps ahead as if a whole bunch of stuff's happened and it starts off with them trying to stop the Decepticons from crashing the moon into the Earth for some reason. The Decepticons are going to just destroy the Earth for laughs. Um, for and shits and gigs. sort of plays out like the Autobots and Decepticons have been battling for ages on Earth. Like, a whole bunch of times past. And there's, like, a main cast of Autobots with, you know, Optimus Hot Rods there, which is a bit... Sort of jumping ahead a bit, mate. God, yeah. he's not... He's Generation 2. Well, sort of, he's Generation 1.5 post-movie. But he's in this. He's a bit of a radical dude who likes a fun time. And there's more characters in general on each side, because the first series, it had a bit of a cheaper feel to it, and I think that's why they focused on having mostly just two main characters and not many other characters. Yeah. Um... It was just sort of like to make it quicker. And sort of, yeah. yeah. Um, there was other characters and everything, but this one's got a much more ensemble cast. There's a lot more voice actors going on and everything. Mm. But um, yeah, it's it's basically there. there's like the conflicts on Earth. They Bumblebee sees a cheetah on the moon and he's like, what was that all about? And no one believes him. And then you find out it's Cheetor, the Maximal. Um, Megatron mentions he's a Maximal, but there's no other mention of Maximals ever again or what significance that would have to anything in the plot. So that was a bit weird. Um, and even then, how would he know Maximals exist? Because if it was supposed to be a timeline like the other Transformers, Maximals are from far in the future, although they did actually end up in the past. It's very confusing, Beast Wars. It seems to be. Beast Wars is set in multiple timelines. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in Cyberverse, he's like, yeah, he's a Maximal. It doesn't mean anything. Um, but he's protecting this thing, the Allspark, 
which Starscream's after. Mm. Um, and there's a couple of episodes where, you know, Starscream's got it and he's basically kicked Megatron's ass and the Autobots and Decepticons. They don't really work together, but at times they kind of force into helping each other to defeat Starscream, but then they end up beating the shit out of each other anyway. Because mm. it's what happens. Um, it's what they are ought to do. Mm. Um, and there's like loads of, loads of things, because they're all like 10 minute episodes. And the series just seems to be going in its own merry way. It's weird. It feels oddly directionless a lot of the time. Like it'll just go from a, like a couple of episodes will have a similar arc to them and then it will just go somewhere else. And then like they end up like traveling into space and the Decepticons make the Autobots think they've blown up the space bridge. Um, they just made a hologram of the space bridge exploding because the Autobots mm. were trying to get back to Cybertron. I don't know how the Autobot sensors couldn't pick up that there was a hologram, but they went, okay, we're going to have to fly all the way back to Cybertron now. And Megatron's like, let's get through the space bridge and then we'll beat them to it. And you'd figure that would lead to them getting back to Cybertron and find out the Decepticons are there. But that's not what happens. The rest of the episodes of the series are just them still travelling through space and having sort of weird, almost Star Trekky adventures where weird shit's happening in space. Yeah. Like RC and Grimlock aboard and they they go off to have a little fly around to find something to do to pass some time. When they get back, everyone's frozen and all sorts of crazy shit starts happening. <laughs> While they're stuck there, mad shit like meat know. asteroids come, you know, they these big old dragon things fly towards them, and they have to sort of guard them, guide them away from the shuttle because they'll just rip it to shreds. They go through it, and then mm. a meteorite storm happens, and there's a star going supernova, and they have to find a way to avoid crashing into it, you know. And the whole time, it's like, you know, they've been bored the whole time, and all the other robots are in status, and now they're having this crazy adventure of their own. Um, it turns out they should just press the restart button on the computer console, and it was would have been all fine. fine. Yeah, everyone missed it. Duh. Bloody idiots. Um, but there's some neat stuff. They chuck in some... Because the last series did a lot of going into weird, random, deep Transformer lore mm. every now and again. Um, they had McAdams in the first series. He doesn't turn up in this series, but I imagine he's going to be back. Um, McAdams runs a bar, and it was like an obscure bar in the British comics years and years ago. And it sort of gradually got brought into canon in the other comics. Yeah. But it's like a bar where Decepticons and Autobots like neutral ground, and they drink and stuff. And there's hints that McAdams some sort of greater thing. And that was like a weird, really deep piece of Transformers lore in the first one. In this one, the stuff like they um, find this asteroid field. It turns out the asteroid films the remains of a planet. And there's a whole bunch of different groups of Sharkticons. And they're mm. all just basically groups of Sharkticons with different colour face paints on. And they're all like different gangs. And it turns into like a West Side Story thing with like three different gangs of sharks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what you mean. Facing off with each other. And they're just like, hey, let's just repair the planet. And they manage to find a way to repair the planet with the Allsparks. It can bring life stuff. <gasps> So yay! Yay! Um, We've brought back life. Which I imagine is going to lead to Quintessons in the next series, because you can't have Sharkscons and not have Quintessons. But um, yeah, stuff like Titans, they find a planet that like one character gets possessed by something and it's like she's been turned on the team and Sounds more ends like, up um, reviving a Titan and the Titan just flies like off. Who. But it's weird, it's like, you know like how Samurai Jack would just have these episodes that feel like they're leaving stuff open for later? Oh yeah, like the Scots stuff thing. like that. Yeah, you'd like you'd have an episode where it's a big old event, and it doesn't end with like, okay, we're never going to see this thing again. It's like stuff happens, and you could see him again, and it seems important. Um, Isn't it like the the very first episode he cuts Aku with a sword, and then like he travels through time and never finds another weapon that, that matches? No, his sword, sword can his sword is the one that, that can, can hurt kill Aku. Aku. Yeah. yeah, but he never gets to fight him again until the properly until the final episode. Did you see the? It's, um, what's that guy's name? It's like Tar something, the guy who makes it. Gendy Tartakovsky. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. Have you seen his new series, like the Primal one? No, no, I saw it. Fucking incredible. 
and watched it. It's on YouTube. I think a couple of the first episode, like first and second episode, are on YouTube, and it's. I said I watched the last Samurai Jack series. I did. Have you not? No. Yeah, I've got the DVD somewhere of the first series. But no, Cyberverse is um, it's fun stuff. It's weird how it goes into deep transform lore. Some of the new characters I quite like. There's some who are just there for comic relief, like um, I can't remember the friggin' name. There's this two-headed transformer. It's like two bodies fused oh, together. I remember like him in the film. He was racist. No, not in. The, he's not in the film. <laughs> um, he has this running gag where every time you see him, he's like stacking a whole bunch of boxes in the um, in the loading area. Okay, and it keeps getting knocked down through various things. Even when time's frozen, they manage to knock it down. Or you know, Grimlock drinks too much of this energon, and he goes on a rampage and smashes through all the boxes. What does that remind me of? There's something else that has a, it's a, a it's running a, gag. Yeah, it's like a running gag for the whole series. Um, Freaking clobbers in it. Clobbers great. Clobbers, a uh, massive, great, like big old chunky female Decepticon who's mm. basically, she's kind of like Scorpia in um, She-Ra. She's okay. a, she's like not the brightest spark, but she means well. And ah, she's just on the spark. bad guy too. But um, yeah, her and Lockdown have these kind of just constantly having little adventures where they're kind of they're they're on the Decepticons and they really want to be really good at being bad guys and stuff. Mm. And sometimes they pull off a plan quite well and Megatron's impressed. <laughs> but really, they should probably get out of there before yeah. they get killed by Megatron because they they are the runts in the group. And, and also, they're not like they're a bit like um, they're not really evil. Evil. They're, they're just sort of getting. They get on. They're Decepticons through and through, but they're just a bit too dim to maybe be there. And you're like, step to one side a little bit. Was it the series or was it the films that established that you decide which side you're on? And oh, that's been that's been transformed all the time, right from the oh. very start. Jetfire okay. was a um, former Decepticon. Oh, okay. Um, him and Starscream, when Starscream betrayed him, he turned good when he realised the Decepticons were properly evil because the Decepticons put themselves over as being good in the original before the war. Um, but no, Jetfire turns up in this, and for some reason he's hunting down Depth Charge, and he tells all these stories about how Depth Charge wiped out thousands of lives, and in the end, Optimus is like, "You should leave this battle and join us." It's like. That guy needs stopping. The shark dude's murdered millions. Like, stop him. But it's nice to see the um, shark guy back. Like, he was he was popular in Robots in Disguise years ago. He was a, I think he had a habit of doing poetry. The Decepticon shark. He just flies around as a shark that flies through the air. Really weird. Suddenly, that's reminded me of the shark from Toy Story. Do you remember? There's the joke where um, Woody's put into the toy chest. And opens up, and then like, and he's like, "Oh, where's my hat?" And suddenly, there's like, it's just one of those like dog squeaky toys, mm. and it pops up wearing Woody's hat, and it goes, it "Goes howdy, howdy, howdy." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the mad tangents my mind goes on at times. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a problem. Yeah. We sort it out. But um, no, it's fun stuff. There's, you know, there's like loads of times when the Autobots and Decepticons have to work together. Soundwave and Wheeljack, no, Cyclonus, Cyclot, Shockwave and Wheeljack get mm. on with each other. They're both inventors and stuff, and. Wheeljack gets captured by Shockwave in one episode and he's just geeking out over all the stuff Shockwave's got. Like, I do wish they did more stuff <laughs> with that, like with the Transformers <laughs> stuff and like showed that conflict isn't quite black and white. Yeah. That's but. the thing, they're just sort of having fun and Megatron's a dick. But um, third series has already started. That started in December and yeah. I think it finishes like, this, is, this is, week or something. Just to confirm, sorry, I, you may have mentioned this or not, this isn't a CGI series that's animated. Like no, CGI. All oh, cartoons CGI. are now. Don't yeah. do hand animation anymore. Well, they animation. do, but they do it in Korea. No, just no, it's still CGI. No. You get all those freaking animations when they're on Netflix. Like, here's oh. a hot new anime series. It's another CGI oh. one. At least freaking Ultraman made didn't try to look like cell shading. It looked like at 3D stuff. Doctor Stone's like one of the newest animes from. There's, loads, there's that 
was it Dragon Riders or something was all made to look like 2D animation, but it was 3D, something like that. Yeah. One of those ones. It's too much of it. It's it really looks rubbish. For trans, this one's unapologetically CGI, but they've got like really clean, sharp, defined edges and all this sort of stuff, and they yeah. look like there's a lot of matte color palettes going on. So like you don't get as much shading going on as you'd get in most CG stuff, which probably helps keep the budget down. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it robots. Keep I it quite robots like, in yeah. I like the fun designs as well. I'm not in hot rod. Not what everyone likes hold. I like what they did with Grimlock. Grimlock's really smart, talks a bit like Dr. Fraser Crane, but when he transforms into his dinosaur mode, he's dumb as bricks and talks like Grimlock talks. Oh. Like classic Grimlock, because his brain's smaller when John he's in Goodman's dinosaur mode. John Goodman's Grimlock in the uh, films, isn't he? No, John Goodman's hound in the films. Oh, his hound. Grimlock's right. just a big old thing that Optimus wrestles into submission. And then he oh, never... yeah, yeah, it's like... Yeah, for the last like... 20 minutes of the film. I'm trying to free you. Submit to me. No, he says, I'm giving you your freedom. Oh, now yeah. do as I'll submit yeah. to me. Yeah. The Graham Lenahan fucking... Mm. <laughs> it's not as bad as the uh, give me your face line from Revenge of the Fallen. No, it's not, though. No. Give me your face! And I, I just imagine Peter Cullen in the booth mm. going, what's that you want me to say? And I'm still playing Optimus Prime, yeah? <laughs> like, that's the first the hero, yeah? First one, ha- Ironhide has like this weird accent in the first three films, then he gets killed. Mm. And it turns out when they were making the first film, Michael Bay didn't even realise that, that Peter Cullen did the voice of Ironhide in the cartoon. So they went to the effort of getting Optimus Prime to original voice because fans were like, we want Peter Cullen voicing mm. Optimus Prime because he's the iconic Optimus Prime voice. And then he goes, oh yeah, sure, yeah, we'll get him on, whatever. He's probably cheap voice actors. You know, I don't have to hire some major actor to play a role of a main character, like getting Hugo Weaving to play Megatron. Um, for like, his first line is, I am Megatron. I am Megatron. Uh, but mm. they get Optimus Prime and then you have this weird voice for Ironhide you could have just got Peter Cullen to do Ironhide's voice I don't think Michael Bay really knows what he's doing he doesn't he doesn't care that's no, the thing he doesn't shit yeah, he does not care as long as he gets to play with military vehicles and fast sports cars mm. he does not give a shit yeah oh well but Cyberverse it's fun there is a gimmick going on in it obviously to sell toys mm. where Starscream uses the Allspark to make armour Oh, okay. So it's like they'll have like a truck or something or digger and they'll get armour that's like digger themed. Oh, or right. Something. So they can use it to transfer. Well, it's just like armour with special powers. Like Optimus yeah. Prime gets a jet, like a fighter plane becomes oh, a. Oh, like he does with. Like uh, an armour so he can fly. Megatron has a helicopter one, so they're like fighting each other. Starscream has like a digger, so I guess it's like they went with the idea of the opposites of what they are, so. Mm. But that lasts for like half the series and it's never brought up again. But the toy toy lines are all like, you'll have Bumblebee and you'll Mm. have like a submarine and the submarine, you smack it on, it goes and it folds around. Oh, okay. Um, But it's, yeah, it's just a gimmick to sell toys for the first part of the series. Um, I don't know what the gimmick is on Cyberverse this year, so I imagine that'll be on the next set of toys. Um, We've got a new Transformers cutting soon, haven't we? Siege, based on the toys that have already um, finished. Oh, I thought it was the um, CGI film that we're getting to. No, that's like a few years off. Is Netflix it? Netflix have a Transformers series starting in a few weeks. Oh. Called War for Cybertron Siege. But it's done by the guys at Mac- who used to be at Machinima, who did that Transformers Combiner Wars cartoon okay. a few years ago, which was terrible. Wait, is it going to be the one where it's all set in Gen 1 and it's like on, on well, um, Ultra? Uh, War for Cybertron's Ultra. theme is basically retelling that sort of story. So it's like... Is that Siege's- the one they had a CGI trailer for not long ago? Yeah. Okay, that looked alright. Yeah, but Siege is like 
set on Cybertron before they leave. Yeah. The next the next lot will be Earthrise, which is what my cliff jumper figures from. Yeah. Um, I know exactly. And that'll be when they get to G one. That's when they get to Earth and have yeah. the Earth forms because all the Siege okay. figures have Cybertronian forms. Yeah. But um, yeah. That that the the previous series those same people made was awful. Like half the voice cast were YouTubers because mm. it was Machinima. So yeah. they wanted to have all their top YouTubers doing like, voices. It was like red, red versus blue, but licensed mm. to Transformers. Yeah, and it'd be like, oh yeah, we we need this twat to do the voice of Menacer, mm. and it's just no, don't do that. And the animation was full of mistakes, and it was horrible, yeah. it was shit. Cyberverse is good though. You'd think that they would put in some sort of effort. Mm. Do you remember the Legend of Neil? No. Do you not? It was Isn't a web that the series. Canadian show. Yeah, it was like a web series, like God. 15, 20 years ago? Uh, nah. Yeah, no, it was, it was ancient. But, um, but it was basically this guy... I know it was a Canadian series that was set in a high school and it was like some mystical magic no, no, stuff no. going on. This was a guy got dumped by his girlfriend so he, like she kept telling him he was going nowhere so he went home and he started playing Nintendo. Oh, the Zelda thing. Yeah, and then he, he gave himself a choky wank with a NES controller and then uh, passed out and then woke up and he was in the world of Zelda. He didn't wake up, he's dead. No, no, he was alive. There was a sequel series. You, well, YouTubers shouldn't try to be... It was funny. It was funny for the time. It was just simple, stupid shit. No, it was good, the Guild. Felicia Day was in it. Bring back the Guild. The Guild was alright. The Guild was alright. Yeah. Yeah, Felicia Day was in that as well. She wrote that, didn't she? Yeah. That was her her vehicle. Hmm. Will, Will Wheaton was in it for a bit. Oh, yeah, he was. He was the villain, wasn't he? So he was in it for a bit. But he was, you know, freaking... Wesley Crusher in Star Trek, wasn't he? He's in other stuff. Who cares? It's frigging Wesley. Anyway, Cyberverse. Yeah. Yeah. You, you should review thing. Yeah, I'm going to review up. my next thing. Um, my Jesus next one's... Christ. My next oh one's, my God, take forever. My next one's actually a big one. Oh. Um, it's actually the end of something. I'm reviewing something that's come to its conclusion. End of Evangelion. No, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Then I'm um, finishing that. No, I, I watched um, Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War. Which is the final final film in the DC animated universe? So it's them until they change their mind. Well, sort of. <laughs> but there's been so this is the thing, right? So the um, MCU has been going on for what twenty four films now, twenty five films. Yeah, something like six that. seasons in a movie, whatever they say. Um, and the DCEU has obviously been seven films and nary a good one between them, except for Shazam. Shazam's great. It's because you're a simpleton. No. You can't appreciate how intelligent Batman is. Oh, oh, oh is. is that what it is? Yeah. Fuck you. You have to be really intelligent to understand Batman. You know, like, it, here's one of the things that I'll praise the, the DC Animated Universe for, is that they cast stuff brilliantly. And they don't mm. they don't cast stuff based on, oh, who can we get for the next five films? They cast in whoever's best and available for that movie. I can never tell what the which ones are meant to be all linked together, though. I lost track of those. Like years I think ago. it's all just meant to be part of the same fucking universe. Yeah, but they've done like, stuff like Killing Joke, which isn't meant to. Be, it's meant to be its own thing, didn't they? And then they yeah, but they changed it so that it fit in with the Batman Batman films that they had done before because they had Batgirl. Wasn't there a Batman animated film based on the animated series recently? No, I'm sure there was. There was another thing. That there was, was like the that. '60s Batman one. There's Harley Quinn one. Yeah, Harley they? Quinn. It was Nightwing. Yeah. Yeah. She and Batman helped each other and that was, yeah, like, it was that way. Meant to be a follow up from the animated series. Had the same art style, same voice cast. Not that I'm aware of. I watched that and it didn't yeah. come off as the same. It came off as like similar to the other ones. I don't know. Too there was like a year one Batman thing they did yeah. and there was, that was years ago. 
Yeah, it's like 2011 now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's last so, one I bothered watching. It was all right. I like that one. Mm. I've seen most of them. Um, I, I think that I caught up on a few recently because I I hadn't watched I hadn't watched Dark Knight Part Two, Dark Knight Rises Part Two. Oh yeah, I watched them. They're good. Yeah, I haven't watched I hadn't watched the second part of that. So I watched the second part of that recently. I watched the new Wonder Woman one, the Bloodlines one, where mm. um, her friend her friend basically she. Um, they change her origins a little bit and they have it so she's adopted by an American woman who's like into, she's a archaeologist. So she finds her, um, washed up near Femascara and then she adopts her and like raises her and her daughter. I think we're talking yeah. about Justice League Dark. Though. Oh yeah, sorry. You haven't sorry, said sorry. anything sorry. about it yet. Sorry guys. So Justice League Dark, if for anyone who hasn't seen Justice League Dark, the last one they did, it was all about teaming up with Batman and introducing them through Batman and they had an adventure and it was mystical. So this isn't really a Justice League Dark film. It's called that because it's they are the the connective tissue through the plot line, hmm. but it's actually the whole of the Justice League. So, um, oh, one thing I was going to praise DC and AU for, and I just want to get this out. Um, James Woods, not a nice guy. You know, he's done some great work in the past, but nowadays he's not a nice guy. Holy fuck, is it perfect to cast him as the main villain, Owl Man? Or that not was Owl, ages ago. But how great is that casting? I recently rewatched it and I was just like, he's perfect because he's just dead inside. Yeah. It just comes completely monotone, completely, but you, you buy it. Um, and him against Kevin Conroy is fucking great. But, um, I just wanted to, just wanted to mention that. I don't like James Woods. Because you can't focus. I don't, want, I don't like James Woods. But focus. I just wanted to mention that. Um, but yeah, just dark. So the story is that, um, basically Superman is coming off of the back of, um, everything that's happened so far in this series and we, this is all the films. He is um, more proactive in stopping threats before they hit Earth because the last threat was obviously um, they did Doomsday three years ago, which was the last big Batman because they had Rise of the Supermans after that. So they had Death of Superman. They did it might have been two years ago. They had Rise of the Superman where they introduced Steel and everyone else. Um, but basically, uh, the Death of Superman has shaken him to his core, and he sort of made the decision that they know Doomsday exists. Doomsday has interacted with them before, and they are going to do everything they can to stop Doomsday because they've recently learned that he might attack Earth. Little do they know that that has come from Cyborg, who is obviously part Mother Box. And the whole time Doomsday has been monitoring them, so he's prepared to take them down as soon as they arrive on his planet. But still, Superman hasn't seen this, he doesn't know this, and he's decided that he's... an apocalypse. Pardon? It's Dark Side. Dark Side. Dark Side. Yeah, not Doomsday. Sorry, Dark, dark Seed, technically. Dark Side. Is it pronounced Dark Side? Yeah. Do you know the story of Dark Side? Yeah, dark he's a little side. shit. It's a piece of shit. So you know that the version of Darkseid that's in of all of the DC comics and all of the DC continuity is actually the avatar of a mad god. <laughs> it's all nonsense. Yeah, it really is. In another dimension. Um, but anyway, so so Darkseid has uh, he's going to make an attack on the the Earth. He's a big fan of Steppenwolf. Yeah, he is. Um, so he's made he's he's going to make an attack on Earth, and he's conv- like he's basically just sowed the seed so that all these heroes are going to go to Apocalypse and try and kill him. Um, and so Superman gathers up all the greatest heroes, and of course that includes Zatanna and, and Constantine in this iteration. Magic. Yep. Something. Um, Shazam's in there and everything. They all, they all go off, and it's it's horrible. They're horrendously um, underprepared, and and they barely cut their losses, and like a few people get back, uh, and then the rest are there to be tortured, including Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, um, and Cyborg. All right. So a lot of the main players are taken out. <coughs> Cut to. Um, Don't need to tell us everything that happens in the film. Just no, no. These are just. This is just the first ten minutes. 
It's like waste literally time. the first 10 minutes. And then it, I'm going to get into the main so they're plot. Gonna fight they're going to go to Apocalypse and fight Darkseid. They go to Apocalypse, fight Darkseid, get their asses handed to them. Constantine runs. He manages to save a couple. And then a few other people get back as well. Clint Shazam. Um, it's Robin, but it's Damian Wayne Robin. And um, and um, some of the other heroes are there on Earth still anyway. But Cyborg, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, they're all fucked. Superman does get sent back. But not after being injected with liquid kryptonite that runs through his veins, so he can't ever transform back. Well, he can't ever use his powers again. He's basically just human. Um, so it cuts to a few years later, and Constantine's wondering why he ran from the fight. He's faced down Satan and demons and all this other stuff, and come out swinging and, and ready to fight. And he can't accept that he ran away and let Zatanna die because in this universe they're together, they're in a relationship. Yeah. Um, so we meet him drinking himself to death in a bar, at least trying to Etrigan the demon. Um, and Superman turns up with Raven and they're basically, they're having a, they're hatching a plan to, to fix everything. They're going to go back to Apocalypse, but this time they're going to do it, do it and fix everything. Um, and then from their rip roaring adventure, everybody gets together and they like sort of, they build their forces and come up with all these ideas. Um, so yeah, so that's the story. And like, and obviously this is a reboot. So, at the end of it, they set a clear line. Sorry, I'm yawning and burping at the same yeah, time. Yeah, stop it. So they, set, Cunt. they set a clear line that they're going to go back and they're going to start resetting everything and, and start That's again. cheating. No, it's not. It's fine. It's DC. They do it every fucking five years. Um, but anyway, so it, it's interesting the animated universe versus chosen to do this because obviously they're, they're, it's been a stronger showing than the, the theatrical release stuff. Um, I mean, I remember when I first watched New Frontiers, like what, 2004, mm. 2003? That was a fucking great film. It's nothing been... to do with these ones, eh? No, it's, it's in the, it's in the collection. It's in the long collection. Of Not New Frontiers. Yeah, New Frontiers set in the 50s. Yeah, but like, it's, no, it's not. Mm. It's like setting a pseudo future past world. No, it's set in the 1950s. It makes a specific reference to the Korean War and. Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh. And it's supposed to be Batman's only been around a few years. Oh, and is it? Stuff like no. that. Yeah. Anyway. I've got the I've freaking New oh, Frontiers, fair, one of my favourite comics. Fair enough. Okay. Wait, the, I'm talking about the film. DC New Frontier. The film? Yeah, and it's based on the comic. Yeah, it is based on the comics, but it's yeah. set further in the future. No, it's set in the 1950s. I don't feel like you're around this one. The Cuban Missile Crisis. There's but, anyway, missile crisis and... but anyway, next thing you're going to tell me that X-Men First Class is set in the 70s. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, it's a really good film. Way fucking better than I expected it to be. Mm. It's uh, smart. It's snappy. Once they've got the plan, you introduce everyone naturally. Etrigan. Etrigan is one of those characters that does require a little bit more explanation, but like Constantine fills in the gaps yes. there so easily. Easy guy. Guy turns into a demon, talks in rhyme. Well, no, like they naturally ask questions to each other as they get into battles and like little skirmishes, and it's stuff like Raven at one point says, "I thought you breathed fire," and he was like, "He's like, I only breathe fire when I'm in battle." Other times it comes out the other end, and like Constantine being like, being like, he's so broken by this, and everyone that his human. Well, by Etrigan's revelation about fighting. fighting. No, 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 no. Um, Constantine's like Etrigan is just so broken by the fact that his human side's dead because he died in the last Justice League Dark film, and also everyone the human side cared about Etrigan also cared about because they had this like sort of. They basically shared half the limelight, didn't they? Like, hmm. if one of them was in the spotlight, the other one would be pushed back to the demon one. But anyway, so um, Edgegrim was like, I felt for those people as well, and they're gone now. So, and then Constantine's like, he doesn't even rhyme anymore, he just fucking talks and like rucks, basically. And there's a great scene where they go to the, to the League of, League of Shadows. League of Shadows? It's League of Shadows, isn't it? 
Which one? Russell Gould's. Rachel Gould. Rachel Gould's uh, little. Yeah, League of Shadows. Yeah, that's now being run Court by. Court of Vows. Yeah, that's no Court of Vows was different. That's now being run by Damian Damian Wayne. And what's the name of the card deck people? Oh, um, the um, <laughs> Royal Flush Gang. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There it's you them. Go, yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, so the um, so they go to Joker's boner. <laughs> they go to the League of Shadows, and um, and fucking um, Etrigan is basically like they Batman and no, sorry Superman and uh, and Constantine are using like Constantine's using his magic, and Superman can still throw a few like right and left hooks, and he does it right for himself. But Etrigan is literally like there are ninjas coming after him, swinging swords and stuff, and he's just like grabbing the swords, tossing them aside, and punching them once, and they fly off. <laughs> like, and, it's, and it's just it's like he's so effortlessly stronger than everyone else. And when you don't have a Superman, but you've got a demon, you've still kind of got a Superman. So it's, you know, it still doesn't feel like there's any threat. But like everyone is at risk in this, and like people do die and things happen. All in all, it's it's really strong. The only thing that I will say is that from the very beginning of Raven being in the film, if you know anything about Raven and her power set and, and what it means and stuff like that, and the fact that she keeps mentioning, oh, my dad's speaking, and like he's really powerful now, I've got nothing to tether me, and all this other stuff, you're like, oh, he's going to get out at some point. And they keep saying, oh, we're going to Apocalypse. And I, like you keep thinking to yourself, oh, she's just going to let him out when they're in Apocalypse. Like, it means that she'll sacrifice herself to save everyone and other stuff. And, like, luckily that's not what happens, but that, like, you know, that's kind of what happens. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but, like, mm-hmm. that's not what happens, but it kind of is. There's a really great Superman fight at the end. Um, Superman does get his powers back, and there's nothing better than Superman fighting someone who's in his power set. Like, the problem is that Apocalypse was in his power set, but Apocalypse just didn't take injuries. Like, he just... Dark side. No. Apocalypse Apoc- is the planet. Oh no, sorry, Doomsday. The problem is that Doomsday instantly healed from every injury, so he's just like a nothing character. He didn't really have a personality, or he didn't really even have drive. He just wanted to fight something. And that's mm. not drive, because once the fight's over, like, you should have more character than that. Like, what are you fighting for if you're well, just Doomsday's fighting? Doomsday's a gimmick. I know. I know. He's made to kill <laughs> Should Superman. have been a one-off thing. <laughs> um, but, but Darkseed. Like, Darkseid and Superman, one of the great things about seeing Superman fight Darkseid is always that he doesn't ever have to hold back. Mm. So you get to see Superman proper, like, he does the eye pluck. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever... Um, it might have been the the one after New Frontier where the Parademons came, but they did an animated film where Doomsday's been there before, and his Unibeam was, like, chasing Dark Batman. Side. Yeah, Darkseid. His Unibeam was chasing Batman, and Superman just comes up and he just goes, I've got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> pokes his eyes out. Oh. Yeah, it's fucking great. Uh, but yeah, like Superman's I just Superman's a twat. No, I just like seeing Superman. Just try talking to him. Maybe Darkseid's got some really nice ideas. You know, he wants to terraform the planet into magma to and feed apocalypse. You know, maybe that'd be good for us. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about magma, but we've got the best magma. Mm. <laughs> and Doomsday just wants our magma. I mean, Darkseid, molten lava, <laughs> molten lava. Mm. Darkseed Apocalypse. You mean like that guy died in um, Pompeii having a wank? Yeah. Like, he enjoyed it. How do you know everyone else hated it? Didn't they also find, like, they were like, there are a bunch of guys just fucking each other as well. (laughs) There's lots of gay sex happening and stuff, wasn't there? There's, like, brothels everywhere. Yeah. You like, there's, like, dick carvings on the walls and they point you to the brothels. And in the brothels, because people couldn't really read an order from a menu, they just have pictures and you pick which one you wanted. It's great. But um, the people on the tour were like just really upset with me when I just kept saying that one. <laughs> and they take, threw me out. Take another 72, please. Yeah. <laughs> Cider chips. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, I think that there is something to be said about a film where the characters can swear because Constantine says piss a lot in the comics. Like he does say shit and piss and stuff. He's like, he's he's meant to be from the UK. He's meant to be up from up north. So of Matt Ryan does his voice in that. Matt Ryan, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Jerry O'Connell does Superman. And he does a really good what, job. In the bum. Yeah, in the bum. Even um, after he had his penis. I think Rosario off. Dawson's um, Wonder Woman again. Yeah. Like, there's some good. There's some good people. Oh, Tony Todd does is uh, Dark Seed. Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. He's um, Steppenwolf. Was he? It's Ste- no, he's Steppenwolf. Oh, he's not in it. No, Steppenwolf's already dead at this point in the in the animated stuff. Um, one one thing's really good as well. He's my favourite CGI the monster. Parademons. They've they've got a new type of parademons where they have um, a strain of the Doomsday, the Doomsday virus based on Superman's blood. So Lex Luthor goes with them to Apocalypse because he's like an acolyte of of Darkseid on Earth, hmm. um, and he goes with them to Apocalypse. And he's like he's like, look, I I just so happen to have these weapons that use kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> if I give these to you, they'll work on the parademons. And Superman's like, "Is that your suit made of?" Kry-? And he goes, "Yeah, it's powered and made but made of kryptonite." Yeah, and he goes, "He goes, oh, okay, I'll take that." So Superman gets to do the Lex Luthor battle suit with the, and he's got like cool green glowing eyes. It's pretty great. Um, I fucking, I, I just really enjoyed it. It was, it was like, it was like watching a lot of payoff in one film because. There wasn't a lot of exposition. There wasn't a lot of build-up. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like Suicide Squad, where you get told who everyone is four times. Hmm. They're just like, "Hey, look, that's that person." That's because that's that no person. one knew who was editing the last oh. scene. And um, it's got Harley Quinn in it. It's hmm. got Killer. Uh, it's got King Shark, and it's got um, Captain Boomerang. They're the last remaining members. Like um, Harley Quinn has a great line where she's like, "Amanda." Well, you know, Suicide Squad film recently. Yeah, yeah. they had There's Suicide Squad with- Escape from Arkham. Yeah, the first Flash has a big old hole in his head yeah, or some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so they're the same ones in this one from that one, and um, and oh, not the ones from the Harley Quinn cartoon. No, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but uh, basically, um, Matt Why Ryan. Why are you cowering, Killer Shark? Guys, <laughs> it's getting crazy up here. I gotta do my book report for the weekend. I can't be doing all this shit. <laughs> Have you been watching it then? Nah. Oh goodness. damn it! You got to start watching it. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I saw Bane breaking Batman's legs. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. It's <laughs> two faces. <laughs> It's fucking. It's his face and my face. No, he's two faces. It's two faces. I um, <laughs> I I've only just started. Well, I'm six episodes into the new series, and I fucking love it. Um, but King Shark in this, so Matt Ryan goes to the. They go to Harley Quinn, and and he goes. He goes. Oh shit! That's my that's my bloody ex. And um and Raven turns to me and she goes, "You dated Harley Quinn? She's nuts." He goes, "Oh, not Harley." And you see King Shark wink at him, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." Finally, they've accepted that Constantine's a bisexual. Actually, like he's fucking into species. Well, he's a legend tomorrow. He's like, all is over. he really? Yeah. Oh, fucking hero. I mean, the whole previous series was about his ex-boyfriend. Who oh, really? Got oh. sucked to hell and possessed oh, by a demon. I genuinely, I love it when they actually like they just go. Here's the comic. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what color superheroes are. I don't care what you know what stories you put them in. But just him in the him in Legend of Tomorrow is really good. Like. He like, loves it. He, freaking one of the villains in Legend of Tomorrow, they had like his um, his soul coin thing mm. and she opens it up and turns the dial and makes it so he's going to die real soon, basically making lung cancer go crazy on him. Yeah. And he just instantly like lights up a cigarette and he's like, it ain't going to kill me now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's one of the things is like they're flying up towards Apocalypse and he goes, he goes he, like everybody's like, have you ever flown before? And he goes, I've gone to the depths of hell, I've travelled, and it's like, oh God, it's flying <laughs> like that. And it's like, I can rid you of a cig right now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so King Shark only has one line in the whole film that oh. he keeps repeating. And it's like, 
um, I'm King Shark and I am a shark as like a positive af- affirmation. Mm. And him and Captain Boomerang are back to back taking down parademons. And he's just going, I'm King Shark and I am a shark. And he's like biting the heads off and stuff. Mm. And then his last line is something completely different. It's something quite sweet. And he's like, it's been an honor fighting with you. <laughs> Captain Boomerang is, wait, you can fucking talk like that. <laughs> Harley Quinn has one of the best lines I've heard from one of these films. And she goes, Oh, it's, it's real sad. Amanda Waller died, so we're the last of the Suicide Squad. And they're like, oh, did the parody was get it? She goes, no, it's cancer. <laughs> and, then like, and they were like, oh, why are you laughing? She goes, it's a coping mechanism. <laughs> <That's> like... <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, great. This is all fucking great. You don't need to have watched all the other films. If you know these characters, they are like the comics. You can jump mm. into story arcs, and that's kind of how the films work. So it was just... It's really fucking nice that they've been able to capture this in so many, so many um, films. Like I even like the Aquaman one they did, where it was like Battle for Atlantis and stuff, and it was, you know, like they all stand there's well. Too many of them. Can't yeah, I know up. there's too many, but like that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's not like the Marvel universe where there's a continuity that runs through. When Marvel kept doing animated films, yeah, like, like bad most of them ones. were pretty bad. The Planet Hulk one was all right. I didn't watch it. Powerful. I watched. I watched the Hulk versus Wolverine one. Oh, yeah, that didn't have Deadpool in it as well. That yeah. was like a two stories, wasn't it? Chucked yeah. together on. Yeah, because they, they were just. They actually ripped apart. They actually ripped Wolverine in half, but they like they did the silhouette thing because it's obviously yeah. it's like a PGO 12. Um, but yeah, no, this. I can't recommend this enough to DC fans, but then if you're not a fan of DC, this does play with some of the weirder characters. Mm. Like, not everyone knows about Constantine. I know that seems weird to us because we're British and also Keanu Reeves has played him. Mm. But, like, that was years ago. No one's really completely familiar. Matt Ryan, I mean, he is standout in this. I was, like, half expecting Gavin Rosdale to turn up in um, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow the other day. Like, that's the eyeliner. <laughs> well, only when Constantine was dying, he was all just like, okay, Gabriel, come down now. If you want to make a deal, I'll be ready for you. And he stands there. He's like, he's not coming, is he? <laughs> I still I still stand by the film having the smartest decision being that Constantine knows that only a pure sacrifice could save him. Hmm. And then like he makes a pure sacrifice and the devil's like, you're gonna fuck up sometime, so I'll just take the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, go for it, go on. You'll fuck up eventually, you've got an ego. Hmm. Um but yeah, no, I, I genuinely like this and like I said, Matt Ryan's a standout and fucking the King Shark thing alone fucking had me in, in fits of tears. Hmm. Um his constant just like He's so cocky, but he's also very, very right. And also, um, I always like it when magicians are hampered by the fact there is a cost to magic. Yeah. Like, that's why I like Jason Aaron's run of Doctor Strange so much. There is a cost to him. There's a physical toll that using magic takes on you. You've got to pay the troll toll. Yeah. And in this, Matt Ryan is fucking downing whiskey. And then as Mm. soon as he starts using his magic, because his body burns off calories, him doing magic, he's like, oh, I'm fucking sober now. (laughs) Mm. Like, after doing enough magic that he kills all these parademons, he's like, oh, God, damn, I'm sobered up. Fuck. Used it all, didn't I? Fuck. Fuck. And I like that idea, like... But yeah, he is a standout. Mm. He's fucking phenomenal. Like, he's the kind... He's almost like um, Johnny Depp loves Jack Sparrow. Like, Mm. he loves Jack Sparrow and, like, he goes to hospitals and shit like that. Matt Ryan fucking loves Constantine. Like he clearly yeah, he goes to hospitals, does exorcisms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, gets, gets mirrors above a bed and gets a rope. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Like in the same way that Johnny Depp shows his love and affection for this character, Matt Ryan doing like literally as soon as there's a Constantine thing, he must put his hand up and go, "Yeah, get me the job. I don't fucking care." Hmm. Like him in that series, the original series ended way too short, and then 
the fact that he just kept petitioning and like kept getting the fans on his side, kept saying, let's do this. And they were like, fuck it. We've released you. We've released the character. He's on WB. Just do it. Mm. Just fucking do it. And then like he's in Legends of Tomorrow and he's a standout in a lot of the Legends of Tomorrow episodes. Yeah. Like the way that he, the way that he plays Constantine is just like, I'm going to play fast and loose with the rules I know. Mm. So yeah, like, I've got a spell that will get rid of a demon from a body. Maybe if I just fucking do it while someone's possessed by an alien, it'll work. Maybe it won't. Mm. And if it does work, great. If it doesn't, sci-fi mumbo jumbo will work. No, he's he's good. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I recommend this to everyone who's a DC fan. If you know any of the characters, you're gonna fucking love it. I don't think it's a good jumping on point, but at the same time, I think you could watch this and not have to worry about other stuff in the series. I think maybe watch the Shazam one and watch the other Justice League Dark one. That'd be a good way of doing it. Isn't there a whole oh, like versus Teen Titans. Yeah, thing maybe watch the Justice League Teen Titans one. It's maybe actually, watch all of them. Just no, no, no. Like I think that just. Pick like four or five where you're maybe not familiar with the teams or you're a fan of that team mm. and then just catch up and then watch this. But yeah, that Teen Titans one was pretty solid because mm. it was just the Justice League got possessed by uh, Brainiac. And Teen Titans Go, yeah. <laughs> That's a really fucking good film. The Teen Titans Go to the movie has the crossover with all the yeah, it's other really Teen Titans. Stan Lee's got a cameo in it. Yeah, wasn't there like you see Justice, not Justice, Dark, you see every Young Justice and yeah, all that sort of stuff. You see every single, like they've got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all the other stuff. Um, and Superman's voiced by Nicolas Cage finally mm. it's really good it's got a Michael Bolton like it's got a full three minute Michael Bolton song nice where they're talking about being positive and being happy and trying to like be upbeat about stuff and it's called you know you've got to be upbeat <laughs> 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 it's, it's fucking it's candy coated nightmare like there's a there's a scene where they're just killing off the mainline superheroes so that they can have their own superhero mm. movies and there's a bit where Batman's family are walking past alleys oh yeah and they yeah, go yeah. like there's like an alleyway where there's just a bunch of eyes and knives and guns and stuff going off and they're like oh we'll go down here and then Robin comes on and goes no 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 go that way and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. And so Batman doesn't, oh yeah, and they throw, <laughs> to kill Aquaman, they throw a ring, a set of those plastic rings for beer cans in the water. <laughs> Gosh. They have to go back and fix everything. And so Batman's family. Yeah, they push him into the alley. Push him in the alley. Aquaman, they pull up the ring point, he's blue, like choking, and just chop it, throw it back in. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> but no, I give, I give this to Tom Atkins. I wasn't really, like, I, it's such a specific group of people, but I'm the exact right person to really love that film. And I really fucking love that film. I love seeing Shazam missing a leg so that when he Shazams, he just has a light forge leg. Hmm. And you know, like the weird little tassel he's got for a belt. It's just like, because obviously he used it as a tourniquet when the leg was ripped off. Hmm. So it just it appears as like a dividing line where the light leg is. Hmm. That's really like nice little features like that and touches. It's just great. Like that's a super smart decision in something that could have just been throwaway, and it's just nice. Hmm. He has a great fight, the Great Wall of China, and like he's he fights with the Great Wall of China. No, he's he's on like Great Wall oh. of China, and there's like a ton of parademons because they're like attacking key points. They're trying to terraform, and um, and Constantine turns up and he's like, um, something. Have you noticed that there's this big terraforming machine here? And something's like like Constantine, you've betrayed me for the last time. He's swampy, mate. There's not gonna be a world. If you don't get rid of that giant machine, he goes, what is that machine doing to the green? <laughs> mm. <laughs> and it's like, you better go take care of it. <laughs> and like all these parademons come down to swamp, he's just creating giant thorns that go through the machine and through a bunch of parademons. It's just like, <laughs> he just goes like, oh, 
Alright, <laughs> just disappears off back to fight on Apocalypse. Just great. Just yeah. fucking great. I recommend it. Anyway, and your review? Nah. I'm done now. No, we've got nah. more reviews. Oh, shit. Nah. Nah. Okay, nah, nah, real nah, quick nah. one, because I haven't played a massive amount of it. What is uh, it? Wonderful 101 Remastered. <gasps> oh, shit. Is it actually out? No, not out oh. for another two weeks. <laughs> but do you know what? You got a code. I got it early. Yeah. On Steam, because they haven't got the um, physical editions going out for a, oh. until like July or something. Um, so they gave everyone Steam codes and like and stuff. They put it on Steam and they've it's it's one for one oh one. Yeah. Redone. Um I think the Steam version I don't know about on Xbox One, not on P on PS4 or not, with the Pro, but I imagine on PC the Xbox One, the PC version is going to be like the flashiest one, but it is a minimal remaster. It is like straight up the original game in a higher resolution. Like you're not getting super detailed textures or anything like that in place, and you're not getting new character models or anything like that. Everything's just looking as good as you could with the original graphics. Yeah. So you get a lot of stuff when during cutscenes you'll see close-ups and you can see the pixels in the textures and stuff because it's like textures from like 2006, 2005. Like these. When did the Wii U come out? 2011. Yeah. Pick textures from 2011. That's when the Wii U came out. Um, But it is the same old game which is like basically it's sort of like Pikmin. You have a team of superheroes. You can recruit civilians by drawing a circle around them. On the Wii U version, you had the gamepad, and you just drew on the gamepad all the time, which was fine, but it did mean you were taking your hands off the buttons all the time Yeah, to do magic, do spells and stuff. It's a bit of a pain. You could, you know, you'd get used you to it. You do, fine. so, okay, so... You have um, to draw, like, a straight line for the sword or do a circle to draw the yeah, fist. If you wanted so, to recruit people, you draw a circle around them. And there it was a way of doing stuff so that you use the joystick instead. Yeah, that's what they've done with this. It's like you use the so joystick. You circle around but stuff. But if you press the... What would be the minus button on the switch or the back whatever the whatever the burger button is on the Xbox pad? No one knows what that's called. Um, it'll bring up like a little semi-transparent screen in the bottom, which is like the Wii U's touchscreen display. Yeah. Um, but it does cover a whole bunch of the UI, but you can rescale it if you want. Um, but I turn that off most of the time because there's enough information on screen to draw the circles, and it takes a bit of getting the hang off to draw the circles. You kind of you don't just make a circle motion with the thumb stick because no. you'll probably end up with it going all over the place. You have to watch where it's going on the screen. It wants you to be a bit more precise than it I think. It has to be that precise, really. You can, you can go out. like You can make a circle that has like fucking lines just all over the place, mm. but it's just the fact that you have to go... You just have to meet on the point at the other end. Yeah, it's, it's on this. It's like you just draw around things. Like If you want to recruit people, as long as the line sort of curves around them, it will grab them. Okay. Um but it's pretty, it's pretty loose and stuff. They've given it a lot of leeway, um, but yeah, it's it's straight up the original game, just running flashier. Loads of weirdos are complaining on Steam because apparently, like a lot of Platinum's games on PC, it's locked at fifty nine frames per second instead of sixty, which I guess is probably a pain. But I mean, I I was seeing it hitting sixty. Yeah, like I don't know, and also so, it doesn't fucking matter unless you're looking at the frame. They're count. saying, oh no, it's skipping and stuttering, and impo- it's impossible to play. I didn't even notice anything in the slightest. It was There's fine. Something fucking wrong with some They're just. I don't know. I'm sure Digital Foundry will do a video and you'll see like a blip every once a second or something and that's the frame time drawing two frames. Any time you step into a forum and talk about VR Mm. shit you get the exact same stuff. But they're moaning about how it's locked at 60 and doesn't go any higher. You can't just bump up the frame rate on a game and go higher. Sometimes the games are relying on the frame rate to time things. Yeah. So that's why physics go crazy in some games when you bump up the frame rate higher. That's why every guitar every game runs at 60 frames per second or whatever it's on. Except for the DS. There's like yeah there's things where it just 
you can't just bump up the red, the things. It can mess. It can break the game. Yeah, I remember the old um, when they first ported something Edgehog to PC. The, um, it would run roughly on the scale with the old PCs at the time, which like 120, 150 megahertz yeah. PCs. But if you put it on a newer computer a few years later, the game would speed up in relation to the CPU processor. Oh right. So I played Sonic and Knuckles once on a Pentium like P4, whatever it was back in the day, Single and core, it ran four point two gigahertz. Fast. The timer in the corner said I did the first level in like a minute and a half, but mm-hmm. it was more like about twenty seconds. Um, but it was, yeah, it's that sort of thing. You can't just bump up the speed sometimes because sometimes they're relying on cycles and stuff. Like yeah, that. sometimes because, the engine generates stuff at yeah. a certain speed. You know, the same reason why frame rate, you can't guarantee your frame rate on your console is going to be locked to 60. Yeah. Like Microsoft have been saying with the Xbox One Series X that there's, you know, 30 frames per second games are a thing of the past unless the developers decide to. It'll be a creative decision. What, such as they can't hit 60 frames per second, so they'll knock it down to 30. That will be the creative decision. What they're saying is they're going to let devs, they're going to encourage devs to have unlocked frame rate because they're going to release a more powerful console years later. And the games will run smooth on that, just like they did with the Xbox One. Yeah, but look at what, like, they'll just use it as a gimmick. It's just going back to bits. This is the new version yeah. of bits. It's the new... I think like, people are grossly underestimating how much the PlayStation's loading times, the PS5's loading times are going to affect games. Yeah. Because it's like, because if it's as fast as they claim it is, then RAM basically doesn't have as much of a purpose anymore because you can load stuff direct from the storage. Well, it depends if the processor can take As it, long so- as they've got the case to run it, like they're saying the because you know like games always like try and do stuff like hide daddy ways and stuff like mm. that. They don't have to worry about that stuff anymore because it's loading the objects up when it needs them. It's not storing them in memory for what it needs to use at that time. It can just bump them up and chuck them in. It depends on a lot of the CPU processor, like the the actual the processor fast. itself, like what it does. So because they're using an APU, they're technically using an APU, right? So they're using a processor with a GPU attached to it. Like that's what they're saying, I think. Mm. So if they're doing that, then RAM still makes a big... Yeah, RAM, RAM matters for what they're using, but it gets to the point where like you don't need to store it in RAM first. You can just bump it straight into the into the buffer, into the vision, into the graphics buffer of thing and just mm. pump it on the screen and all that. Anyway, wonderful 101. Um, yeah, it's still it's still a fun game. It's got a bit of a steep learning curve early on. You do get bashed yeah. around a fair bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, you get used to it. I like the music, I like the weird... There's some... Proper friggin' obscure friggin' tokusatsu references going on in it. Like when you first power up your suit and it tells you how many billionths of a second the suit goes on, that's a reference to Space Sheriff Gavan. Um, so, you know, go back to 1982 with Kenji Oba and his. 1984 with Kenji Oba. Whenever you transform, you go, Space Sheriff Gavan's suit arrives on him in more than point eight billion seconds of a second. Let's see that again in slow motion. And it does the same thing in this because they're being nerds. Um, I see. I like it. I liked it a lot when I played it before. I haven't played this new remastered version. I'm going to put that in quotation marks because, like you said, it seems like they've just re-released it, but re-released it on better hardware. Um, yeah, well, the original had a. If I remember, the Wii U version had a frame rate that would were solid, but it would tank every now and again when big because it does block a lot you, of stuff once on you screen. Got to like all the heroes, yeah, like anything you did would. Be. Well, I've had a massive team of heroes running around. Isn't the maximum like a hundred? Yeah, you you basically have a massive team, but it's mostly civilians most of the time. But you will unlock like heroes and then set heroes, which I think stay in your teams as you go through the levels. Um, I I really liked it when I played on the Wii U. Like you said, the gamepad was a little bit more convenient, except for you would have to let go of the hand, so you'd have to do something. 
Yeah, you'd have to do circles and stuff, but it would still expect you to press A, which would be... I got the... a knack with the Wii U pad of holding the stylus in my hand when I was playing it. Never so used just... the stylus. I was just my finger on it. <sighs> Disgusting. Um, but, um, but yeah. The pad was really comfortable, man. One of the things I will say <laughs> is that the two of the things that really go for it are the fucking energy in that game. Mm. You feel like... Everything feels like it's moving, it's kinetic, and it's great. It feels like... It feels like you want to keep playing. It feels like it only takes a short amount of time to, to achieve a lot. But then also, um, also just the visual style of it. I, I think that that yeah, came so. out. It came out at the right time for like the chibi action figures to be at their height. Well, it's meant to look like the um, like little keyring, you yeah, know, phone like body the, buddy things that you'd get because they were like the, uh, Yeah, little yeah, yeah, little figures that you'd get in those things. Yeah, but it's it's the beautiful Joe design, isn't it? Which we're never going to see another beautiful Joe game because Capcom have no interest in it. They have interest in putting his costume in games. Um, but they have no interest in making an actual beautiful Joe game. He was downloadable in the um, in the original Wonderful 101, wasn't he? No. No, he's not in it. Oh, he's in Capcom versus... Mm. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, isn't he? Yeah, he was um, more he infinite, was, one uh, of those two. DLC. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's, <coughs> it's, it's a pretty straightforward standard port. There is an option in the menus that says HDR, which back in the day was basically... I say back in the day, 10 years ago, you'd have high, high dynamic range would just be a thing that would be a slight shift in the colour palette. Yeah, I was going to say, it was <coughs> 16, 24, or 32-bit colours, right? Well, back then, you had an 8-bit colour depth would be what you'd be using on game, things like that, like your TV, 8-bit colour depth and all that. Yeah. It's um, not what they have on the Forza Motorsport game, because they were talking about HDR and Forza Motorsport on the Xbox 360, weren't they? Yeah. But it wasn't actual HDR, it was just darkening the rest of the image and keeping the bright stuff bright. So, it- Well, yeah, because you only had local dimming. Didn't- well, you didn't have local mm. dimming, you only had side dimming, so you had LED. There wasn't anything to do with the TVs, though. It was the games themselves doing... Oh, okay. It wasn't like a... Trickery process. with the contrast to make certain things look brighter than the rest. Yeah. Which, uh, that's basically what they're doing here. So I think they probably should have renamed that option, because it does, nowadays, it gives you the impression it's going to be in HDR. 16 or 24 bit is the colour options on the Xbox One. That's for HDR. Yeah, yeah I'm talking change. back then. Yeah. HDR would be referred to as 8-bit colour depth. It would be like, you know, when you have the full expanded range colour, mm. which isn't worth putting on because it stretches out the black range and gives you less black. Whatever. Stick to the regular standard If range. I don't, because my TV doesn't have the <clears throat> HDR standard, mm. my TV's like a year before HDR standard came in, so it has like its own local yeah. dimming for LEDs. So if you put it to 24, then what it does is it processes that as if it's HDR mm. but if I put it at 16 it's a flat image and it just does colours as a flat image obviously yeah. it'll change depending on what colour it is but, um, but they then, don't have dimming local dimming unless you put it into 24 bit yeah you and your TVs no I know right but um, yeah early adopter you see, wonderful 101 I'm spoiling it for you for two weeks before it's out on the 19th on PC oh and okay stuff. cool I won't, so, I'm not going to get it for a while I've got like <clears throat> I've got the Switch version still coming so yeah I completed. I finally completed the messenger in Katana Zero. Mm. So, like, I've still. Well, is got, that going to be your review? Because no, your review no. now. I uh, know my review this week is. Um, it's going to be it's, two minutes. It's a review of two versions of the same game, I guess. It's got one minute forty. So my 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 uh, my journey into the world of VR is continuing. Um, I've started playing a few more games after completing Half Life Alex. I'm really enjoying it, and still to this day going back and playing a couple of sections of that that I really enjoyed. Um, there's some really nice like antlion sequences that I think could be infinitely replayable. They're a bit like a horde mode in something, you know, where you've got a gun and you're just like, ah, I've got this. I fucking, you know, like the old time crisis. What are you I'm just about to get there. Oh, because I haven't got long left. Calm your tits. 
So um, I started playing um, The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners a few weeks ago. I didn't really get enough into it to um, to give a full review because I was playing Half-Life Alex didn't and other you, stuff. Didn't you review it? No. Oh. But, um, but it's recently been released on PSVR. So I was like, fuck it, I'll review two different <clears> versions. <throat> so PC versus PSVR. Um, the PSVR version was announced when they released the PC one. And there's an Oculus Quest version coming later this year. So it's... Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the Oculus Quest one looks like. Is it coming to Virtual Boy? No. Oh. Because that's such a limited hardware. I've seen amazing stuff get done with that hardware, but the limitations of it are quite evident when you see, like, when you see those, like, the impressive games in there, there's a lot of fog that's only five, ten metres <coughs> away from you. Mm. So there's obviously those old tricks. Although just use. turn it into a text adventure. Yeah. There's the Walking Dead VR game, but it's visual novel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but on the PC, one of the nice things are you load up the game, you've got a nice draw distance, you don't have any of the fog. You know, if it's sunny, it's sunny. If it's raining, it's raining. If it's dark, it's dark. You know, fine, great, whatever. There are some really nice levels where there's, like, fire effects and there's, like, smoke and stuff. And that mm. sort of, like, obscures your view. Um, but otherwise, you know, your draw distance is as far as you'd probably normally see. You know, and it's really nice being in that environment and being able to interact. PSVR, they do introduce some of that fog. So it's a bit strange, like, um, yeah, like if you're, if you're a zombie 15 meters away and they're just out of that, out of that fog, you'll see like a silhouette. Yeah. And if they're a little bit closer, you might still see a silhouette and then they get details that come closer. And it's, it's a good way of, it's a good way of managing the assets on screen so there's still a smooth playing experience. The other, the other disappointing thing with the PSVR are the controllers. You've got those dildo ones. And those have been around for decades at this point. They were on the PS3 as like yeah, a, I sold my controllers. Um, one of the things that's one of the things that's quite nice is they are versatile. They've got all the buttons, and you can do quite a lot with them. And they work for most VR games. But The Walking Dead: Sins and is, is a melee game. So when you've got a knife in your hand, if you're holding it so the blade is pointing up, that's fine. Dildo one's perfect. Hmm. But if you're holding it so the blade's pointing down. And you've got that bright light and the PSVR headset doesn't stop all light bleed. So like you'll see it every so often mm. and you've got your dildo one and you're trying to stab stuff like that and it disappears out of the top of the way the camera can see you and all sorts of shit. Like just technically speaking, it's just, it's a weird experience that way. And also guns. If you're holding two dildo ones like that to hold a shotgun, it feels a bit weird aiming like that. But if you've got the Oculus Touch controls, it's just like you're holding it like that. Like, cause they're designed to look like hand grips and feel like hand grips. So I think controller-wise, the PSVR is maybe not the best suited for this game, but overall the experience is really fun on there. But on PC, it's more of a technical, you know, achievement, accomplishment. It's more fun. It's more fluid. Is this the one where you play as Merlin Dill? No. You oh. think, like, uh, I'll, I'll Which Walking Dead game was that? That was, um, uh, God. That terrible one. Yeah, Road to Salvation. Nah. Or Road to, uh, Road to something. Um, it wasn't very good. You want to play? You want to play uh, Land of the Dead, Road to Fiddler's Green. That's the ultimate zombie experience. Whoa! Uh, but no. So the story is that you're a survivor called the Tourist, and you go from area to area. And the rumor is that you're immune to zombie bites, which turns out to be true. You don't die if you get bitten by a zombie. Yeah, we over pretty quick. Yeah, it would. <laughs> uh, but you're just basically because of that immunity, you just travel around, just doing whatever. Like you don't really stay in one place because people so often die. You don't have a group that remains for very long. <clears throat> you get ferried into New Orleans by a character that explains to you that he's there looking for a cache of weapons and food, a cache, a cache, cache. Um, he's looking for some of that cache. 
Um, Sasha. Dallas Sands. Um, so he's he basically tells you about this rumor that there's this, this um, load of food and weapons and stuff, and whoever finds it, and whichever side you agree with, because there are different factions, they will go on to be like the dominant faction, and, and whatever needs to happen happens. They look after the people and all this other stuff. He's there to find it because his daughter lives in New Orleans, or someone that's related to him lives in New Orleans, and he's hoping to save her and look after her and give her this food and basically give her salvation. Um, when you turn up, he's been attacked and strung up and left to die by a local gang leader. And it's, from there, it's up to you in these small open, like, not arenas, but like small, like, areas with houses and shit for you to explore. You got to collect stuff, find clues, do little quests and missions for people in the area to basically reveal who the factions are, what's going on, who the bad guys are, and what you can do to either help or hinder them. And and then from there you're left to your own devices. And I think that's probably the best way to play this sort of game because you don't... It, it goes day by day. So you go out for a day, you scavenge some shit, you go back to your little camper van, you build whatever you need to, and then the next day you go out. At night, the zombies become more vicious. So you have like a watch that has a timer and it tells you as soon as the bells start ringing, the zombies are really... special zombies that get vicious at night. No, they're not They're not special zombies. It's just they seem more active. They mm. move around more and they're a little bit more aggressive. They're playing aren't they? Yeah. Um, Apparently that sequel's a mess and they're having all sorts of trouble developing it. Really? Yeah. Oh, because I thought like it was nearly done. They released loads of shit about it, didn't they? Yeah, they, this, it's been like three years since they announced it. I know, it. but it's... <laughs> Di- yeah, Dead Island's been... Dead Island 2's been like ten years. Yeah, that's been restarted about five times. Yeah, I know. Should have just stuck with Jaeger. Yeah, well, they should have, <laughs> but they couldn't afford them, could they? And then Jaeger went under, didn't they? No, Jaeger's still around. They're still going. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry. So, um, so yeah, so you wander around and you've got your weapons. And, like, it's it's a really nice little VR experience. Um, I mentioned during my Half-Life Alex review that one of the things that Half-Life Alex does really well is it tells you the space you need. Mm. If you don't have that space, it will work with the space you have. And you'll be able to do the basic functions of, like, ducking and, like, looking around corners and things like that. The Walking Dead doesn't give a fuck if you duck. It doesn't give a fuck if, you, if you're, like, sneaking around corners and stuff like that. Mm. As far as it's concerned, whilst you're in the VR helmet, your head is level. If you try and duck, you're going to get taller for some reason. <laughs> you have a button to duck. Yeah. And that's fine. But it's very much designed to be a, you're in a seat. Sit in your fucking seat and play. Yeah, the sit game. down and play. You yeah. fucking weirdo. Which is which is really disappointing because like I cleared a space. When are you gonna get one of those weird circle things that you can walk Yeah, on. the treadmills. No, um, I cleared a space. Really one. I cleared a space so I could play some VR games, and there are a lot of VR games that that's perfect. Yeah, for. I thought you'd cleaned your room. Yeah, there's a lot of VR games that 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 sort of idea is perfect for. You get like six foot of space, and you hmm. can walk around. You can do little ex- exploration. Your Britney Spears dance beat VR. Half Life Alex, fucking like as soon as you've got that space, you're throwing cans at pigeons. You're drawing dicks on walls. Mm. You're fucking putting radios in bars. Yeah, someone was complaining about the graffiti on the windows you'd drawn. <laughs> One of my favourite parts of, like, I was playing Half Life Alex the other day and I was like, I wonder if I can do this. So I just went and grabbed a blue basket that had some items in it. And I was like, I don't want that. And I threw that on the ground and I picked up a radio and put a radio in there. And then I put like a screwdriver in there. I was like, this is my basket now. And so I quickly teleported over to a room, like over to a doorway that had like some things on it. And I was like, Oh, God, I'm going to have to put this down to get rid of these planks. No, I've got an idea. Just nudged them with a basket and they <laughs> fell off. <laughs> it was like, all right, I really need to keep these items. So uh, I'm going to keep teleporting. And I had to teleport whilst I had the controller with the grips closed. So that I was basically just pointing at the ground. So I'm going to need to teleport a meter in front of me. <laughs> so I just kept darting forward at me. And I was like, oh, I've got to go over this. I've got to go over this fence. And I can't really just lower this gently because it's such a drop. Um 
I'll drop it. I'm sure it'll be fine. So I dropped it and I teleported over and I turned around and there was just shit everywhere. I was like, shouldn't have put that paint can in there. <laughs> um, but no, so the Walkie Dead VR isn't really that sort of interactive experience, but it does a lot of things really well. Hmm. So you have four weapons at any time. You've got side holsters, you've got a over-the-shoulder shotgun or whatever. And then if you pull your bag down, you've got an extra slot on your bag that you can like put a baseball bat and stuff on. And for so much of the game, I'm like, literally like, whatever I pick up, I'm going to try and kill a zombie with. So there was a run where I was like, I've collected all of the spoons and forks. I've Mm. got this. (laughs) I was going up to zombies and I was like, all right, fucking stabbed him. And then like, with spoons, what's really interesting, if you can get a really good shot on the eye, it'll just go in. Nice. (laughs) But if you get him in the forehead, (laughs) you've got about three or four minutes of struggling because you can, you can grab their heads. So one of the key mechanics are that if you don't have a weapon or if you're struggling to find a weapon, and the zombie's coming for you, you can grab their skull and then just sort of like redirect them using their own momentum. Hmm. Or if you have a blunt object like a screw, like a, like a screwdriver that's like been used a few times and it's dying and you need to get it into a zombie's skull, but you need that extra level of leverage, you can grab their head, swing it in hmm. and then push. And it will basically gives you like a mini game where you have to push it in. Um, and you could do that with a spoon. So if you get someone dead in the middle of the forehead with a spoon, <laughs> you grab their skull and you go, fucking dessert time. <laughs> like just drive it in and you're like, done. Excellent. So I, I did like a few levels where I was just stabbing things with spoons and forks. Um, screwdrivers as well, if you pick up a screwdriver. One of the really nice things are, I found out the other day that cigarettes, when you get a pack of cigarettes, if you, if you just pick them up, you're just holding a pack of cigarettes, right? Hmm. But if you put them up towards your mouth, then one will raise up and then you can pick out that one, put it between your lips. And then if you find a barbecue lighter. <laughs> You can walk around lighting a cigarette. But the problem is if your health's quite low and it does decrease your health smoking whilst you're fighting zombies, oddly mm. enough, um, you start coughing. So the zombies can eat you. So it's just me wandering around with a cigarette. And I'm, going, and I'm like, where are these fucking zombies coming from? You fool. <laughs> it's the same with Half-Life Alex. I didn't realise that you can put a, a hard hat on and put like a gas mask on. Because there's levels in the game where like it goes to you, you're going to cough if you go past those spores. So just put your hand over your mouth. So you're there with a fucking Oculus controller up against your mouth like, I feel fucking stupid before I'm playing the game. And then in, I didn't realise that if I just put a gas mask on and wandered around without the whole game, it, I'd be fine. Hmm. Like there's a whole level where somebody's chasing you and you have to go through these spores and like every time you make a noise, it's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like it runs towards you. It's actually quite, quite, like, quite creepy because... The, the game keeps forcing you into small areas where you have to like throw a bottle to distract him and then just fucking leg it. But if you go too fast, he's going to hear you stepping. And like, there's stuff like you can, you can try and like slowly winch close the door, but all of the stuff in the environment is covered in this like fucking growth. So every time you're like, you're like, all right, he's in there. He's in there. He can't see me. He can't hear me. All right. I've got an idea. I've got an idea. I'm just going to close this gate on until you're like, mm. you're like fuck. <laughs> and then just cheese it. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> running off. Um, but no, uh, uh, Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, I've got to stop comparing it to Half-Life Alex because they're so completely different. Where Half-Life Alex is, is a surgical procedure where it's, where it's done with finesse. It's like, it's like a really nice dinner. Like you're going out and you're specifically you're in your going, weird metaphors. But no, but you're specifically going for the best dinner of your life. You're going to spend loads of money and it's not right now. You're not. Well, no. You're breaking but, lockdown. But you're going to spend loads of money and it's specifically that event. You're going for the meal as an event. And this is a McDonald's Happy Meal. It's cheap. It's a bit shitty, but God fucking damn it, is it fun? It's just fun. Do you get a toy like, with it? Something, something about going up behind zombies and just being like, "Batter up, 
killed him. All right, and then like yeah. another coming of you being like, better because <laughs> I can't come up with any other baseball baseball puns when I'm killing zombies. Um, like it's just don't try and push it too much. Don't don't try and play with the physics in the game beyond like collect shit, kill zombies. Because although the although the technology in like stabbing them and shit like that is fucking fantastic, and if you get a good shot of a knife, you do like get them in the mouth or the eye, or you can get them in the ear. Them. You can get them in the ear with a knife on the spoon and put it yeah. in their mouth. Like you can you can put shit in their mouths. Nice. That's like again like the, it's designed around bounce a grenade on the spoon. What I was doing was the other day I had a level where I had just this forty five and I didn't want to waste ammo because like aiming can be tough in VR because you've got to like properly line up the sights. Mm. You know, like in like old light gun games. I've gotten used to it now, but when I first started, I was playing like a light gun game. So it's like that point and click. Like mm. light gun games are fairly forgiving when it comes to shots and accuracy. So you're just like bang, 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 bang. As soon as you start playing VR games, you want to do that same thing. You're like oh, bang, 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 bang. Yeah, I got it, I got it. But it wants you to look down the sights. It's like it's obviously it's tracking how you're doing this. Mm. And if you're looking down the sights, or if you even put another hand on it, loads of games recognize that you're trying to hold your focus. Yeah. And there are some really interesting parts in this. Like there was a moment where I had the I had the shotgun. And because the shotgun's a two-handed weapon because it's so heavy, if you're like holding it, it takes you longer to lift it up. It's less accurate. It's difficult to like get the angle right because you actually have to twist the controller. It recognizes like the gyroscopic level of detail in this mm. is great because like you twist your hand up and then you get a headshot like fine, but that's going to kick back and you're less likely to get an accurate shot again in like a short space of time. You know, stuff like that's all programmed in there. And I spent a whole run like literally with a with a forty five. I was only putting one bullet in there as a, at a time, and I was just going past. And I was like, oh zombie! All right, and grabbed him and then shot him in the head. And then let him go, and I was like, all right, load another bullet in. All right, where's the next one? <laughs> and then just grabbed another one, like, bang! <laughs> it's like, from to the ground. There's bows and arrows in it. Like, the amount of stuff that you can kill zombies with and have fun with. Like, I can imagine if someone just went, here's your fucking map. Here's, like, here's here's a kilometre. Go buck wild. Run around. You find shit. You make little devices whilst you're running around. And then you're stabbing zombies in the head with spoons and forks. Like, that would be such a great game. Because it's narrative-driven and because of technology, like I said, I don't think they had, like, a massive team doing this. And I think most of the team was laid off once the PC release was done. I think other other That's yes, because what you do with developers now, you just get rid of them. Yeah. Other studios are handling the other ports. It's the American way. Yeah. Other studios are handling handling other ports, so the PC one is probably the best one to play. Until the quest one comes out, and I don't think the quest one's going to look very good. Um, but like, there's so much little bits and pieces in here that are great, but they're all around killing and the gorier side of things. It's not around like the finesse of the VR experience. Mm. Um, I think I said this again, Half-Life Alex, you can teleport and teleporting is a great way of moving around in VR, VR spaces because you don't get movement sickness. You don't get yeah. like that weird feeling. This, you can't do that. You have to, you have to do the walking and you have to use the joystick. So if you're standing up and you're like trying to like stab zombies or you're trying to reach up and grab something, like that's fine. But as soon as you're moving around, you're like, <laughs> like that's why you got to sit down. I I just don't like doing it in VR experiences though. Like even stuff that you could sit down in, like I play. Just pretend you're in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, I play uh, Pistol Whip. Pistol Whip is like basically like Time Crisis meets Dance Dance. Mm. Dance Dance Revolution. And it's all Dance done by stage Euro beat. Yeah, it's all done in like time. So you shoot people in time with the beat, and you get more points. Hmm. But then you also move to dodge bullets because it, the the whole premise of the game is your head is the only weak point. If you get hit in the head, you lose a point or you lose a life. Sorry. So you have to dodge the bullets where your head is. You have to shoot people in time with the music. They will fire at you in time with the music, and then you have to sometimes dodge left and right to avoid pillars. 
So all in this, and you can imagine it's quite a physical experience because you're going like, burp, 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 and then sometimes it'll be behind you, so burp, 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 and like, and then like someone's in front of you, you got to punch them. So instead of like it being like a thing, you just burp, you like punch them in the head. That's a pistol whip, gets you extra points as long as you do it in time with the music again, and you can duck at some points. And like, it's fucking such a great experience. And like, it gets, it's all those VR points in there. You've got a fun, fun activity you can keep doing. You've got movement involved. You know, and it looks great because it's all just like super hot style basic graphics, but it's more colorful. It's, it's, you know, it's slightly more active. It's just fucking great. And stuff like that is fantastic. And Walking Dead could really do with some of that integrated in there. Cause it. Yeah, they should have had a media rhythm game. No, they just, they just need to think about the, the slightly, cause in, in Pistol Whip, you're, you're just sliding forward. Mm. You're just sliding forward, but you don't get any of that weird feeling about sliding forward because you're not controlling it. It's not free form like movement. It's just you just going like on a track forward, and it's really like just works. It's like Fumper. Imagine Fumper. How many Fumper more games are you going to talk about? I've played so many VR. It's been games. like forty I'm minutes. You've been talking my, about this game for now. Mind. Anyway, Walking Dead: Saints and Sinners. Like I said, it's like a happy meal. It's like a cheap, great food. Like just get it in you, have a good time. You know, it's not an experience that you're going to take much from. And to be totally honest, other games will do this better in a very short space of time. But there you go. That's everything, isn't it? Like games are going to be like that. We make advancements and they change and they get better. Um, I give it a Michael J. White. Bronze Tiger. Spawn. Spawn. Yeah, Spawn. Yeah. Like dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Dynamite. Known for a lot more than being Bronze Tiger for like five episodes of Arrow. Okay. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's the, I, I recommend people give it a try um, on whatever format you can. But obviously PC is probably I'm the best. You're going to get on the Game Boy. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I still like Resident Evil Guide and people give that game a tough rep, but I like that. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's been That's been Crit Apocalypse. I told you. Two minutes, you get. Crit Apocalypse, episode 134. I've been Matt, you've been Anne. I thought it was 133. 134. 133 was Hemsworth. I've done my research today. I behaved myself. Hmm. Um, well, you said 133 at the start. You, no, I didn't. I said 134. You can find Anne at Mellow Gaming on YouTube, the most popular Mellow Gaming channel. Is that still true? I don't fucking know. Why would I know? You also God. LV54 Space Monkey on you, on uh, Twitter. You can find me at Twitter and uh, at Critapocalypse on Twitter and also YouTube. And anything you're excited for coming up? I'm not going to die. I know, right? Loads of people going to get the virus again. Yay! Whee! Um, I'm looking forward to the new, another new episode of Rick and Morty on tonight and uh, and uh, well, I'm look, I was waiting for wrestling to start when's wrestling starting? In fifth, well I've missed the pre-show oh god who watches the pre-show? no it might have had something important like what? I don't know something coronavirus update mm, Big yeah. Show says that we can go back <laughs> Big Show's got his own sitcom now I know he, he does do wrestling have you seen that Kevin James is in a horror film? Well, he's in some film where he's a Nazi. Yeah, he's a white supremacist. It's a horror film. Well, it's a surprise film. John McHale's in it. Killing him. Yeah, it's I'm looking it's forward home to it. Home Alone. It looks pretty great. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Um, see you guys in two weeks. Love you all. Um, Boris wants to kill kids. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. No, right, the kids will stay two metres apart. Yeah, that's what you can... Yeah. You can just tell little kids to stay two metres apart and they'll do it. They always wash their hands after they pee and poo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why they're always sticky. Yeah. The soap. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good time. Bye. Yeah.